We're going to have to leave these questions to simmer and stew and whatever Recorded uh, ferment over the weekend. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom. We'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, may the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866 866- 229-3663 International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere 
with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Monday, January 25th, 2016. It's about seven minutes after noon Pacific time. That's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. Okay? So just get your calendar, get your clock, and with the information I gave you, you are smart enough to figure out whether we're live or not. And if we are, that means you can, if you choose, participate in this show. Yes, 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 participation. A long-forgotten American pastime. No, Americans don't actually really participate much in anything anymore. They are more the spectator nation. But actually that, you know, we we look at that and we say, well, hey, that's because we're immoral, the economy's collapsing, our leaders are corrupt, and, uh, well, and that's probably true, but we never have been really the participation nation, uh, you know, we've always been a nation of spectators. Even the Revolutionary War only had 3 to 5% participating in it. You know, this, this is something that people need to get their heads wrapped around. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number if you'd like to call in and uh, give your opinion or you got an idea or whatever. 
You can also go to the chat room, which is located on our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And, of course, you can contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. We need to get our heads wrapped around this fact. Why? Not so we can feel good about, well, we don't need that many people. Well, you know, we've made accomplishments in the past with very few people participating. And all that's true. And then other people say, yes, but the government has all kinds of fancy weapons and things they didn't have during the Revolutionary War, so 3 to 5% ain't going to cut it. Well, you know, hey, these are all arguments that, you know, who knows? You don't know until you try it. But here's something that ought to be encouraging, I think. Now, during the Revolutionary War, people found out about things generally in newspapers. Or they went down to the public square and they looked on the trees and the walls. People would post whatever, you know, things they wrote on there, things they felt people should know about. And people could go look and see what was going on that were not in the newspaper. The alternative news, if you will. Well, okay. Now what do we have? We have the Internet. Well, doesn't that encourage you that we should be able to educate more than 3 to 5% of the population? To the point where they say, hey, wait a minute. I'm not on board with this deal. I don't want to live on the global plantation. I don't want to be a serf. I don't want to go back to the good old days of the dark ages. Yeah, I think so. You know, and that that's kind of encouraging that, uh, hey, we have the means now. And we get to the whole, yes, but... You can get them to uh, the water hole, but you can't make them drink. Of course, you can't hold their head under the water until they comply, but eh, it will, it's a topic for another another show. Anyway, so I don't know. I just think that's encouraging that we should be able to do better than the Revolutionary War numbers. Okay, because we have a better ability to communicate with others. And others are beginning to wake up. Honestly, folks, you know, some of you out there, you know, got into this, you know, you you woke up a couple of years ago and you were outraged. Outraged, I tell you, we got to do something about this. Well, you know, now you're like, well, wait a minute. I got all excited and, uh, gee... My neighbors haven't gotten on my war wagon I'm dragging down the street, and I don't understand why, bunch of loser wimps or whatever. Well, I've been at this since, say, oh, well, I started, started becoming interested in 1992. Maybe 1991 I started going to county commissioner meetings. But when I first started going, see, I had this, uh, and I really did. Talk about naive, huh? 
I had this idea that, well, gee, there's problems out here. These people just don't know. Somebody needs to go help them. Tell them. Let them know what's going on. Let them know some of these programs they've got going on just don't work. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, but then I, you know, I found out, no, they know exactly what's going on. They know they don't work. They don't care because they're all making monies. Their buddies are all making monies, and they're a bunch of criminals. See, I didn't know that at first, but, you know, it didn't take that long to figure that one out. But the thing is, see, I have seen since 1992, which, what is that? 23 years. I've seen in 23 years that more people are, in fact, waking up. Yeah, they're not ready to hop on the old war wagon rolling down the street. Come on, join me. Let's attack whoever. Hey, go get your gun and let's come on. They're not ready for that just yet. But over 23 years, they have gone from pointing and laughing and ridiculing me and you, people like you. Of course, you were probably one of those people 23 years ago. But nevertheless, you know, conspiracy nut, you're, you're tinfoil hats on too tight, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't get that hardly ever anymore. No matter what kind of conspiracy I I describe to people, I don't just get that, huh, idiot, response anymore. Now, they might not, like I said, jump on the war wagon and get ready to roll. But they got that look. And the little nod of the head, like, hmm, yeah, well, hey, that's at least possible. And they know it. And that's a big step forward, folks, because 23 years ago, people didn't think it was possible. Hey, they're going to do this. They want to do that. They got plans to do this. They got plans to do that. The U.N. has documents. This is why we need to protest them. Blah, 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 blah. Why, that could never happen here was people's attitude. Well, they've lost that attitude. They're starting to realize hey, it can happen here, and it might be happening here. And that's a big step forward, folks. And yeah, it took a long time to take that step forward. So you newbies out there, And I call anybody who's got less than 10 years in this a newbie. Because, hey, it's not because you don't know things. It's not because you can't research things. You might know more than I know. You might have researched more than I researched. But the fact is, you haven't been around long enough to see the change. To see that this is making a difference. People are becoming aware. And how do you think they're doing it, folks? You think they're doing it by watching Fox News, by watching CNN, by reading the New York Times? No, they're not. They're doing it through alternative means, outside the mainstream journalistic universe. That's how they're doing it, and they're getting it. Slow but sure, they're getting it. 
you know, so, hey, we may be able to get more than 5%. And that would be great. You know, and, hey, it depends what you mean by, you know, well, uh, you know, I honestly, I, I could say, well, hey, I was, uh, oh, I've been uh, anti-government since I got out of the military. Actually, I was anti-government like minutes after I joined the military. Hey, if joining the military doesn't make you anti-government, I don't know what will. But uh, anyway, you know, however, I say, you know, 1992, basically, because, hey, like I said, 1991, I started going to commissioner's meeting, but I was Pollyanna. No, I really thought, hey, you know, these people just need, you know, they... They live in the ivory tower, I realize that, and they're a little out of touch, and they just don't know. Yeah, yeah, Pollyanna here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, here's something. New York officials are considering... Now, I wonder why New York officials get to consider all by themselves, uh, because from what I understand, Niagara Falls is uh, kind of an international border. But, uh, hey, I guess the United States doesn't care. We can do whatever we want. State officials are holding a public hearing this week to discuss plans for replacing 115-year-old bridges linking the mainland to islands near the brink of Niagara Falls. To do so... They might reduce the flow of the American side of the falls by building a temporary structure to redirect Niagara River water to the Canadian side. The State Parks and Transportation Department said in October, uh, in an October report that the two concrete arch bridges need to be replaced. They provide pedestrian access to Goat Island for millions of visitors each year. Huh. Okay, so there you go. Now they're talking, they're going to shut down the water. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong with that, huh? Well, I guess you've heard the economy has some problems. Or maybe not. Maybe you haven't heard. But, uh, yes, yes, it's true. It's all true. The economy appears to have some problems. Even though, hey! Well, I don't know if stocks are up or down. Well, it doesn't much matter to me, seeing as I don't have any stocks. But anyway, the economy obviously has trouble, and Walmart is not uh, immune to it, as we saw that. You know, McDonald's also isn't. But, you know, McDonald's basically, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, McDonald's downturn is not because of the economy. and And maybe half of Walmart's is. The problem with these corporations is, again, alternative media. These corporations have been exposed as cesspools full of greedy bastards that really ought to be off this planet. They, they, they shouldn't even, the Walton family, what's left of them, shouldn't even be living on the same planet as everybody else. You know... Old, uh, you know, Walton is rolling in his grave over what his stinking 
greedy family has done. But, you know, then again, what do you expect? He worked hard. He built a big business while his little parasite, you know, uh, offspring got the best of everything all the time. And then daddy dies, and what do they do? Oh, no. Do you think they got the work ethic he had? No. They hired, they lawyered up is what they did and said, look, we don't care. We want to make the most profits and make the most money for us. Screw everybody else. And that's what they did. People know about it, and they found out. And a lot of it is people shop at Walmart, and they hold their nose while they do it. I don't even grocery shop there. They don't have the cheapest prices where I live, so I don't go there to shop for groceries. Now, I do pick up other stuff. Like, I just bought a garbage can. I bought two garbage cans the other day. They were uh, $9.99 each, and they're, what are they, 35-gallon trash cans, really well made. But I don't gro- I don't buy groceries there generally because they're not cheaper. And a lot of communities around, that's why people shop at Walmart, because they're cheaper. And you know what? If a business is cheaper, well then, hey, I can't blame people for shopping there regardless of what kind of employment practices they have. However, McDonald's, on the other hand, uh, basically blew their own brains out. Yeah, they got themselves a black CEO because, oh, you know, more than 13% of McDonald's customers are black. That means that, ooh, blacks like McDonald's because 13% is the population of blacks in America, and if more than 13% of McDonald's customers are black, that means blacks favor McDonald's. So they got themselves a black CEO, and what did he do? Well, he shifted the whole company's advertising structure towards blacks. Well, that's just great. They may have grown their black customer base. However, what they did in the process was they alienated the white customer. Okay? They alienated the white customer, who, yes, is trying to find more healthy food, uh, you know, uh, choices, but that's not the whole reason. The, the, the drop in McDonald's, is, I'm sorry, that just doesn't calculate out. It does. The math doesn't work, okay? So there's something else other than just looking for healthier foods going on here. And what I believe it is is that they have alienated the white customer. I mean, you see a, a commercial for McDonald's and everybody in it's black. You got blacks dressed like gang members. Oh, but they're all happy gang members in the in the commercials. But see, people know better. So McDonald's decided it was a good idea to put in the minds of everybody but blacks that, hey, McDonald's is full of black gang members. Well, guess what? When I go down the street and I look at the Golden Arches, I think again, where else can I go? And so do a lot of people, and they're losing money. They're hemorrhaging money. They're going to have a revolt of their franchisee, uh, franchise owners because they are not happy with corporate. And why is that a surprise? you got a black guy running it. 
This whole affirmative action thing, folks, is a is a is a formula for national destruction. Because if you're going to start advancing people who are not qualified based only on the color of their skin, you're going to end up with a problem. And McDonald's is finding that out. But now Walmart, they're closing, uh, oh, well, we'll find out later in here. They got the number, I'm sure, but... The Town and Country Grocery in Oriental, North Carolina, a local fixture for 44 years, closed its doors in October after a Walmart store opened for business. Now, three months later, and less than two years after Walmart arrived, the retail giant is pulling up stakes, leaving the community with no grocery store and no pharmacy. Though mom-and-pop stores have steadily disappeared across the American landscape over the past three decades as the mega-chain methodically expanded, there was at least always a Walmart left behind to replace them. Now the Walmarts are disappearing, too. I was devastated when I found out we had a pharmacy and a perfectly satisfactory grocery store. Maybe Walmart sold apples for a nickel less, said Barb Venturi, mayor pro tem of Oriental, with a population of about 900. If you take into account what no longer having a grocery store does to property values here, it's a significant impact for us. Well, gee, mayor, who made the deal with Walmart? You think Walmart moves into a town unless they get some bennies? No, 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 no. They want sewers, they want electrical, they want traffic lights, they want new roads, they want all kinds of infrastructure built just for them, for free. And then they want to not pay any property tax either, because we're bringing all these jobs in. You know what? These towns where these Walmarts are leaving from, if they made that property tax deal, they should say, oh, okay, well, guess what? We're the state, and what we're deciding, we're deciding is because you got a 10-year property tax uh, forgiveness. Well, you left after two years. Hey, those whole two years, we want those taxes. Oh, and we're seizing, we're, we're, we're seizing your building. Yeah, yeah. We're seizing your building. We're going to do an eminent domain on you. That's right. We're taking your Walmart store, and what we're going to do is we're going to split it up and make it into a mall. And we're going to rent it out to local mom and pop businesses for, for like half the going rate. I wonder. Or does the mayor just want to complain? Oriental is hardly alone. Walmart Stores Incorporated said on January 15th it would be closing all 102 of its smaller express stores. Never seen one of those, but many in isolated towns to focus on its super centers and mid-sized neighborhood markets. The move, which will begin by the end of the month, was a relatively quick about-face. As recently as 2014, Walmart was touting the solid performance of its smaller stores and announced plans to open an additional 90. 
Well, Walmart stock has lost 30% of its value in the last year. Oh, the Waltons can't have that, man, because they're the big beneficiaries of the stocks, okay? That's where most of their money comes from. And they just lost 30% of their income. Oh, we can't have that. It's a big problem for small towns, though, often with proportionally large elderly populations. For the older folks of Oriental, a retirement and summer vacation town along the intercoastal waterway. The next nearest grocery and pharmacy is 50-minute round-trip drive. Well, hey, guess what, fogies? That's what you got for going to the Walmart pharmacy and the Walmart grocery store rather than your mom and pop. That's what happens. You did this, grandma and grandpa. So now, lie in that bed. Walmart says it's sensitive to the dislocations its businesses' decisions are causing. Yeah, what? In towns impacted by store closures, we've had hundreds of conversations with elected officials and community leaders to discuss relevant issues, and we are working with communities on how we can be helpful. Helpful? I'd seize their property and tell them, now you owe us for all that tax money you never paid because you know what? You think you're just going to bail and walk off? No, it's going to cost you, pally. And that's the thing about Walmart. They never sell their buildings because they don't want anybody else moving into them. I put that to an end. Eminent Domain Corporation, we're taking your property. Walmart's been under increasing pressure lately as sales in the U.S. have failed to keep up with the rising labor costs. It's also been spreading more on its web op- spending more on its web operations. In October, the company announced the profit this year would be down as much as 12%. The outlook contributed to a shared decline of 29% during the past 12 months. It's more important now than ever to review our portfolio and close the stores and clubs that should be closed, Walmart's chief executive officer, Doug McMillan, said in a statement on the company's website. Towns like Clearwater, Kansas, and Merkel, Texas, are among those hit by Walmart closures. In Goodley, Texas, with a population of roughly 1,000, Walmart opened a small store just a year ago. Within months, the only other grocery store in town, Brookshire Brothers, uh, part of an employee-owned regional chain, shut its doors. Now with Walmart gone, the closest full-service grocery store is about a 20-minute drive away. In some cases, closed businesses may reopen now that Walmart has left. In Merkel, the Lawrence Brothers grocery store, which closed two months ago, is planning to reopen now that Walmart is packing up, said Jay Lawrence, head of the regional chain in Texas and New Mexico. Residents of Oriental, where some city officials originally tried to block Walmart from opening, are hoping for a similar outcome now that the megastore is gone. But for the moment, the damage has been done, they say. Renee Ireland-Smith, who ran town and country, said the store immediately saw sales fall by 30% once Walmart opened in May 2014. Whenever her store cut prices, Walmart would reduce its prices even more. Nice town, huh? Good neighbor, eh? Smith's mother, who owned the store, invested $100,000 in savings into the doomed effort. But by October, the family decided to cut its losses and close the business. They ruined our lives, said Smith of Walmart. They came in here with their experiment and ruined us. There you go. 
Yeah, that's corporate responsibility. That's the good neighbor that corporations really are. Okay? Corporations are not good neighbors. They never are. Sure, a corporation can do a good thing here and there. They might give some money they to a crippled family or something or whatever, but they're not overall good. They are overall parasites, predators. That's what corporations are. Anyway, we got to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have 
have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, January 25th. We're almost done with this month, 2016. And it's about 1242 and a half. And, uh... Call in numbers 800-932-1980. You can go to the chat room. They're having a discussion about the difference between store brands and brand names. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a good discussion going on. You can hop into that, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. A-V-R-N Talk is the screen name. So there you have it. Anyhow, like I said, there's some good points in the uh, room about, you know, store brands. Uh, People, you know, there's something to be said for it, but I'm telling you it's the exception to where, now look, everybody, I think everybody, a lot of people are aware that if you go to Walmart, and I mean specifically Walmart, and there could be other stores also that sell tires, but Walmart, the Goodyear tires or the other brand name tires you get from them are not the same as you get from another retailer, a smaller retailer. Those tires are made specifically for Walmart. And they're specifically made to be cheaper. Well, you know, you can't, you know, you can't just start giving away stuff, so you cut things out. You make them cheaper so they can sell them cheaper. Well, that makes them not the same tire as everybody else is selling that says Goodyear on it, okay? might look the same, but it's not the same. There are exceptions like that. Uh, Somebody mentioned chainsaws. Now, I don't know who, uh, uh, what I've seen is, and I don't know if these companies, I don't have the information, if these companies make a separate product for the chain stores and another separate product for, like, chainsaw stores. We used to have chainsaw stores around here. Of course, we don't anymore because, well, we don't have a logging industry anymore thanks to the BLM and the U.S. Forestry Service. So now you want a chainsaw, you got to buy it at a chain somewhere, a chain store, not a chainsaw store. I don't know if they're the same quality. But I know the quality's gone down on everything. I don't care where you buy it. Quality has gone down. And, see, this is the big, you know, people criticize China. Well, they got Chinese junk, 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 junk. Well, you know what? It's no more junk than the crap they make here in the United States. Oh, sure, there's always an exception. You want to go to some small little company making, you know, that's like just saying, oh, man, American beer is swill. Well, if you're talking about Budweiser and Miller and the major breweries, yeah, sure it is. You got Coors. 
<laughs> making Coors Light in Missouri telling you it's the Rocky Mountain water. Yeah, that they ship in and put a drop in at every bottle that they sell. That way they can say, hey, Rocky Mountain water in here. They're liars, and it's nothing but pig swill. But then again, you've got microbreweries that make fantastic beer, and they're American companies too. But the thing about China is, it's not so much that they make their manufacturing is worse than ours. What's worse than ours is their quality control. China has a quality control problem, and the United States is starting to get it. And don't think it's a Chinese thing. Do you remember Chrysler? You remember that. Used to be an American car company. Well, in the 70s, Chrysler went through a uh, crisis. Oh, yeah. Lee Iacocca came in and saved the day. Not. Oh, he borrowed a bunch of money from the United States government, but he paid it back early. Well, yeah, how did he pay it back early? Here's what Chrysler did. They borrowed all this money from the federal government. They cut their quality down to almost nothing. I mean, I'm telling you, brand new Chrysler cars in the 70s, a lot of them, the doors didn't fit, the carpets didn't even go to the edge of the, you know, had these huge gaps, and they put them on the lot. They don't care. Here it is. Rattled. Brand new. They rattled. They were garbage. Then they came out with garbage designs like the K car. Okay? Meanwhile... They're charging the same money everybody else was who was making real cars. Plus, they got a contract with the United States government. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, they supplied a bunch of what amounts to three-quarter ton pickup trucks. Which probably would have been okay for you and me. You know, no power steering, no radio, nothing, none of that. But they were 24-volt systems. Ooh, that means you threw an extra battery in it. You know, here's the thing, though. They were not military grade, all right? Like I said, they might have been okay for you. They might have even been okay for a farm use, but they were not military grade. And they didn't last, and they ended up killing people. They were the 880 pickup truck. The rear ends had a little problem. Yeah, they'd get loose and come disconnected while you were going down the road. Well, that made you flip over and die. Oops. Another thing Chrysler was doing was making the XM1 tank. You might know it as the Abrams A1. But, see, Chrysler could never make it work. But they got paid all the same. Oh, that's how Lee Iacocca was able to pay back the loans. So it can happen in America. And it's happening in China. You know, the quality control, you know, there's probably cultural reasons why, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they're letting junk out that shouldn't be out there. But American companies do the same, too. And hey, if you get one of those, you can just return it if you want, because they're playing the percentages, and they know a certain percentage of people aren't going to return it. They're just going to suck it up and maybe never buy it again. But, you know... Why they're doing it is because they look at every piece of product that goes out and they say, well, we made it. 
We spent time on the labor. We spent time on the materials, and it ain't right, but we got to set it out there. We can't afford to just throw it in the garbage pile, recycle it, and start over again. There's no room in the profit margin anymore, folks. We're so efficient, they can't afford not to let junk hit the market. So, when you're buying Chinese stuff, you could get something really good that lasts a long time. You could go buy the same product the next day and get a piece of crap that won't last a day. It's quality control. They're letting stuff out that's no good. And then stuff that is good is out there too. It's very bad. And and once these, you know, lawnmower makers and uh, chainsaw makers, once they started selling to chains, the quality was over. No, here's something. This is just pathetic. I'm not even going to read this. Uh, this is a... <laughs> Let's see that. Hillary Clinton cannot be stopped. This is this is from uh, uh, Vanity Fair. This is just a disgusting piece that's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, it, it, just, these Hillary supporters, I don't know what's wrong with these people. I mean, I, I really don't know what's wrong with these people. Don't they get it that she is a lying, stinking piece of garbage, criminal who should have been put in prison 40 years ago? I guess they don't care. She's a woman. A federal judge will weigh this week whether the State Department is allowed to delay the release of the final unpublished batch of Hillary Clinton's private emails until the end of February, after the first round of presidential primaries have has occurred. Huh. But a lawyer for Jason Leopold, the vice news reporter who filed the Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, in question last year, last year, last year, last year, it took a whole year, argued Monday that state had no grounds on which to stall the release of the emails. Voters should be dismayed by state's attempt to withhold the public over 7,000 pages of presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's emails documenting her tenure as the nation's top diplomat, said Ryan James, Leopold's attorney. When filing an opposition brief in federal court Monday, if the delay state seeks is granted, over 45 million Americans in early voting states may be asked to vote without the knowledge of what these emails contain. You know what? Let's look at the bigger picture, shall we, just for a second? I mean, look, I know this is what they probably figure they're doing is protecting Hillary, but Hillary's going to lose New Hampshire and Iowa anyway, okay, before the emails are out. She's not going to win in those two little podunk states anyway, okay? She doesn't care. She knows she's not going to win there, and she doesn't care. Bernie Sanders is a flash-in-the-pan socialist who everybody's going, yay, because we hate Hillary. Nobody's going to elect him president, and she knows it. He isn't going to win Super Tuesday. He doesn't have a chance. But what I would do is I would withdraw my opposition and say, okay, yeah, release it after Iowa and New Hampshire, but be sure that you do release it all after that. Because you see, like I said, Hillary's already going to lose New Hampshire and Iowa. No point in piling on the bunny rabbit here. Save it. 
Save it for Super Tuesday. Release it for that. Say, hey, all you people in these southern seven southern states, look at this. Look what dirty Hillary's been doing. Make her lose them. Because you see, socialists don't generally do all that well in the South. Now, Bernie Sanders could do better because everybody hates Hillary. It really, I mean, folks, do you think people are behind Bernie Sanders because anybody in their right mind in this country actually thinks Bernie Sanders is the answer to this nation's problems? Really? Come on. No. They're voting for Bernie Sanders and they're supporting Bernie Sanders because they can't stomach Hillary Clinton. Okay, let's see here. Even after Leo Pereiro was laid off a year ago from his technology job at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and spent his final months there training a temporary immigrant from India to do his work, he still hoped to find a new position in the vast entertainment company. But Mr. Pereiro discovered that despite his high performance ratings, he had, he and most of the other 250 tech workers Disney dismissed would not be rehired for at least a year and probably never. Now, he and Dina Moore, another American laid off by Disney at the time, have filed class action lawsuits in federal court in Tampa against Disney and two global consulting companies, HCI and Cognizant, which brought in foreign workers who replaced them. They claim the companies colluded to break the law by using temporary H-1B visas to bring in immigrant workers knowing that Americans would be displaced from their jobs. I don't have to be angry or cause drama, said Ms. Moore, 53, who had worked for Disney for 10 years, but they are just doing things to save a buck, and it's making Americans poorer. Ms. Moore had also trained her replacement. You know what, folks? Are you stupid? Do you not see the writing on the wall? Oh, but I don't want to lose my job. You're already going to lose your job. And you're training your replacement? Sorry, I'm not going to train you. Hoji. I'm not training you. Figure it out on your own. Well, I'm ordering you to train this person. Screw you. You're going to fire me anyway, so you can just go blow it out your behind, pally. I mean, honestly, folks, you know, if you're getting fired, why should you... You know, it's like, okay, look... uh, Eventually, you're going to die. So here, here's a knife. Why don't you slit your throat? Because, hey, it's inevitable. You're going to die anyway. So why don't you just help us along, save us some time, and slit your own throat for you, for us? That's what you're doing when you retrain these people. And you don't have to stand up and say, by God, I'm not retraining this person. Just don't do it. And when the boss comes and says, hey, you know, you got to blah, blah, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then when he turns his back, go back to not training the person. Man, what's wrong with you? I mean, that this is just insane. You're going to sit there and train somebody who's going to take your job? 
I don't think so. Well, here's another city, San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. They're having the Super Bowl. And a million people descend on San Francisco later this month to revel in the Super Bowl festivities. They can see a performance by Alicia Keys, a fireworks display, and art by local artists. But you know what? They won't see much of the hordes of homeless people. Because in recent weeks, San Francisco has dispatched workers to the scenic Embarcadero to provide them with uh, with help finding shelter somewhere besides the future site of the Super Bowl city. The free fan village will feature concerts, interactive games, and player appearances at the foot of the market. Blah, 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 blah. It's just going to be a big party. When a lot of cameras are going to be pointed on the city, they want to have an image of the city that does not include poverty. Yeah, they want to decrease the physical presence and reminder of poverty and create an illusion that poverty does not exist by removing poor people from the vicinity of the Super Bowl party. Yeah, here we go again. Yep, Uh, let's see. They say they're assisting people. Yeah, okay. I've been assisted by people, by agencies, government agencies on the street before. Folks, we're from the government. We're here to help comes to mind. Yeah, you don't want their help. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again tonight for two hours. Coming up next is Financial Survival. After that, we've got a full day coming up, so don't go anywhere. And as always, thanks for listening. I heard it through the grapevine. My new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, January 25th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Well, we saw higher gold prices today, and uh, we're above 1,100 once again. After market continues to trade in the New York spot, so we're up uh, ten bucks for gold at eleven oh nine. Silver was up twenty three at fourteen thirty three. Platinum was up twenty eight. Big day for platinum at eight hundred and sixty two. Palladium went the other direction, down seven at four hundred and ninety two dollars. We have the USDX today, and of course, uh, you know, a little bit of pressure, not too much, point two eight. At 99.25, um, crude oil is gained on Friday, reversed today, down 2.28 at 29.91. Uh, the paper markets today saw a big drop, uh, 200 points, 207 points for the Dow, 15,886. The Nasdaq was down 72 at 45.18. The S&P was down 29 at 1877. 10-year yield, 2.02%. Of course, did a little bit of strength in Euro 109, up 0.52. Chesapeake Energy took a big drop today, over 13%. I mean, that just, (laughs) I mean, that is just unbelievable how much that share has gone down. That company, Chesapeake Energy, 3.04%. Um, down 13.17, but that's one of the most popular stocks in trading today. And you know what? It's all about Wall Street making their little commissions. You know, hey, they have to trade to make money, and they're good at that. They're good at trading your investments, and uh, that's why they don't want you to own gold. They don't get to trade you. They don't get to make Mm -hmm. any money. So what a terrible investment gold is. But For Wall Street. But you know what? It's all for Wall Street. But yeah, you know what, Al? Look how many people fall into that, uh, into their little guise of uh, we're here to help. They're, Wall Street's as bad as the government. They're yep. here to help. We're here yep. to help you retire. Yeah, they're there to help you retire broke. So if you follow their uh, um, their instructions. European stocks, uh, they had some little bit of downward pressure, mainly due to crude oil prices selling off again. Asian stocks were a little bit firmer overnight. They just followed Wall Street gains from Friday. Um, The Federal Open Market Committee uh, begins their meeting Tuesday and ends Wednesday afternoon uh, with a statement, and uh, no one is expecting any change in the the interest rates uh, at this meeting. But uh, as everyone comments, uh, the meeting will be very closely scrutinized. And um, so, but... um, and, of course, as everybody remembers, the FOMC meeting in mid-December gave the markets their first uh, quarter-point rise in a very long time. Before we... Speaking of December, the Dow Jones was 17,425 mm-hmm. on December 31st. It's currently about 15,900. It's fallen 8.7% in the last three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. 
And speak, well, since we're doing that little bit of comparison, before I go on to my, uh, I just wanted to talk about a couple articles I saw in the news today before we get into the uh, uh, talk about the uh, bear market and the global stocks and all the wealth that's already gone. Um, I just did a quick little comparison today, just from a week ago. It's not a big comparison on $20 gold pieces versus um, spot price. Uh, since last Monday, we saw gold up $18. Uh, last Monday, it was 1091 Today, I based it on 1109 uh, $20 gold pieces in the lower grades are up 35 and $40. So a nice you little mean above it? Okay. Yeah, above their prices from last week. They've gained uh, that much in their coin prices versus an $18 move in gold. So a nice little pop in the $20 gold pieces. Mint State 63, $20 Liberties, they had the biggest gain. They were up $45 from a week ago on Monday. And these are based on, you know, when I say $45, that's wholesale costs, $45. So, um they're not my commissions or anything like that. It's just wholesale costs. So nice pop in the $20 gold pieces. Uh, and, again, it's just another reminder uh, that uh, you can see these uh, nice gains in these coins. It's a great way to be diversified. Uh, they provide you with a little more privacy, a little more pop and uh, in the price. So if you'd like to diversify, give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. Prior to uh, the program, Al, I, I was telling you about uh, I saw the Supreme Court today. They upheld a five-year-old federal program that pays large electric customers to save during times of peak demand, not customers to save energy during times of peak demand. So they're paid. Large electric customers are paid to save. By the electric company. By the electric company. So Now, this is pushed by Obamacare and all the environmentalists out there. So supporters of the plan say it has saved billions of dollars in energy costs, improved reliability of the power grid, and reduced air pollution since it was put in place in 2011. Well, now the the power utilities, the utility companies, they're complaining and saying that they have lost millions of dollars in profits under this rule. They argued it was too generous and trampled state rights over retail electricity sales. So now you have the consumer like you and me who gets taxed because this is a federal program that pays these large electric customers. So we pay that one time. And then who do you think makes up for those millions of dollars that is lost in profits under this rule? It's you and me again. So we get the double whammy in this great environmental uh, uh, federal program that was passed by Obama. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, that's that's all right. Keep doing it. Keep jamming the people out there. That's just. Well, that's what they're there for, Melody. Somebody's got to pay for these government programs and, you know. That's what the people are here for. Uh, but how many, you know what, it just gets me because, you know, people just continue to pay. We just continue to do their little old bidding, and nobody really knows how much they're paying double for the, I mean, it's. Well, I don't know. You know, trying to get straight numbers and the rest of it. Uh, it's just evidence of how fragile the system is. Because it won't stand on its own two feet without a bunch of lies to support it. 
and laws that are perhaps contrary to the best interests of the American people. You know, if the country was hitting on all eight cylinders, we wouldn't need all sorts of complicated laws, and people could tell us what the real unemployment rate is <laughs> and tell us the true size of the national debt, <clears throat> and we wouldn't have to worry about it. But insofar as I or you or anyone in the audience believes the government is lying to us, those lies are evidence that the government and the economy are fragile and on the verge of some sort of a fracture and maybe even a collapse. And they are trying to just maintain public confidence, maintain public confidence. They'll tell you how important it is that we have public confidence in order to maintain the value of our fiat currency. Well, you know, I just wrote an article for this, uh, this last issue of the, of uh, American survival. And the article, the argument is simply that we all know we have to have confidence. Virtually everyone listening to this program has heard people in positions of power talk about how you got to have that public confidence. What was this thing? And the article is confidence in what? All right, we got to have confidence, but confidence in what? And they never exactly specify what you need confidence in. You got to maintain confidence. But confidence in what? Well, we won't tell you that. What do you have to have confidence in? Given that we have a debt-based monetary system and a debt-based economy, what do we have to have confidence in? And the answer is we have to have confidence in the idea that the debt can and will be paid. We're running around with little debt instruments in our pockets. We call them dollars, but they're not. They're Federal Reserve notes, and they're debt instruments. And in theory, they have to be made good. Somebody's got to give somebody something material for those green pieces of paper. And as long as we have confidence that the debt, the national debt, the private debt, the corporate debt, all the debts are going to be paid. As long as that's true, we can hold a debt-based monetary system together. As long as we have confidence that the debt instruments will be paid. Somebody's going to make good on the national debt, and the people that are holding those treasuries will get their money back. As long as we have confidence that the debt-based monetary system can persist. But if you look at the numbers and you begin to do some study on it and you begin to realize, oh, my gosh, the debt is too great to be repaid. That's when you begin to lose confidence in the system. Now, most people haven't done that. They haven't made that study yet, and they haven't done that yet. But the truth is, most of the debt can't be paid, and it won't be paid. And in my my judgment, and I could be mistaken, but my judgment, 80 to 90% of the existing debt will not be paid. And if you come to similar conclusions, I don't see how anyone can even begin to argue that 50% will be paid more than 50%. I think I think in the 50% won't be paid. I don't think anybody can argue against that. I'm thinking it's at least 80%, probably 90% that can't be paid. What does that mean? It means you got to be crazy, self-destructive, suicidal to hang on to debt instruments in this environment. Sooner which or later, is, if you're going to maintain confidence, which is what? Which is 
debt-based instruments, which is? No, the debt-based. Stocks, bonds, um, pension funds, bank accounts, all right? Anything that's paper. You got a piece of paper that says somebody owes you some money, you have a debt instrument, all right? You don't have an asset. You have a debt instrument. And sooner or later, we're going to hit the moment where everybody is going to realize, oh, my gosh, we can't pay all the debt. Now what? Those who are hold, still holding the debt instruments are going to panic, and they are going to dump their instruments as fast as they can, as fast as humanly possible. And the net result will be the price of those instruments will plummet, and they are going to lose the first ones are going to lose 10% and then 20%, 30%. In my judgment, we're going to go to 80 to 90% losses. Yep. Uh, and what is the alternative on all? And this will happen. It won't happen until we run out of confidence in the, in the promise that the debt will be paid. We have confidence. The national government says the national debt is $18, $19 trillion. John Williams at shadowstats.com says no, it's actually about a hundred trillion. I don't know who's right, but I don't think the go- I'm I'm with all the lies the government tells, I'm not inclined to believe them. I've seen a report from the Congressional Budget Office and from economist John Cotwire, if I'm remembering his name correctly. They both conclude that there's over two hundred trillion dollars in national debt, including unfunded liabilities. Can't be paid. That translates into something like $650,000 for every man, woman, and child in the country. There's no way it's not going to be paid. But as long as we have confidence in the idea that they can and will pay the debt, then the system can continue to function. But when people look at reality and they say, you know, that's too much money, they can't pay that debt. At that point in time, we lose confidence in the idea that they can pay the debt in the debt-based monetary system and in the debt-based economy, and when we realize they can't pay the debt, at that point people are going to run, not walk, run for tangible assets like gold and silver. <clears throat> Those who don't get there in time are going to be, or will wish that they did, um, but in any case, my point is that Confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in the debt will be paid. That's the confidence that must be maintained. And it can't be supported. There is no, there, I'm unable to see any objective hope or reason to sit back. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, don't worry about a thing. The debt can be paid. No, it can't. There was another thing I wanted to bring up before we go to break here is uh, the the agreement or the uh, treaty that we now have with Iran. Uh, Their president uh, went to Rome. It's the first state visit by an Iranian president to Europe in almost uh, two decades. And um, uh, he's going all around Europe to visit everyone as uh, it's going to be a four-day visit to Italy and France. Uh, as part of the efforts by Iran to reach out to its old partners following the implementation of this landmark deal uh, curbing their nuclear activities. Europe was Iran's largest trading partner before the sanctions, and a range of business and trade deals is expected, including with Airbus for the purchase of new aircraft. And I guess there's going to be a boatload of Airbuses that they're going to be purchasing. So, so much for Boeing. (laughs) 
<laughs> as far as getting any of the uh, business. And uh, so what exactly did Obama get for the U.S. with making this deal with Iran? Um, oh, well, that's, we, had we did get five. Him $150 billion. Gotta, dollars yeah, yeah. <clears throat> He's a heck five. of a negotiator. you got to give him. He's very stylish. All right. What he lacks in substance, he makes up for with great style. But Italy was Iran's second largest trading partner after Germany with 7 billion euros in trading in trade um, that dropped after the, the sanctions. So uh, Europe is looking to rebuild that uh, relationship with them. Um, oh, so. but they are. And it's on one level, it's not necessarily a bad thing. certainly not nope. a bad thing for Europe because it not might so. be in theory. It might help to stimulate the European economy. As in theory, if they can sell more stuff to Iran, it won't make. I don't know that it. I don't know that it's going to save them, but it should be. Hey, it they should amp them up. They're going to sell more Volkswagens and uh, BMWs and whatever to the Iranians. Huh. Well, that should be good for Europe. Well, they got 1.5 billion dollars. <laughs> so yeah, we'll take a share of that. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. It's just another, you know, part of the the picture. You know, just. It's in here in the world that we call sane. This is just another illustration that, well, maybe not. And you know what? We chuckle, Alan. It's not funny. People, should, I know it is. People it's, should be, you know, I shake my head. Humor. Undertaker's humor. It's like, oh, my God. This is just so bizarre. And you, let's you, take, you, you let's can't take a break here, buddy. We're running. We're, we're exceeding our... It's time for Frank to play the music. He likes to stay involved. That's his job. Frank is our producer. And he likes to play the music. So let's let him do it. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. 
Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Folks, I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. In the third segment of the program, we'll have a guest, Joe from Arkansas. Joe calls in on the program periodically. Joe's written a book called The Way Forward is Back, and we will be talking to Joe about his book and the ideas uh, he's trying to communicate in the third segment of the program. Right now, Melody, we can get back to whatever it is we're getting back to. What's next? Oh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, one-fifth of all worldwide stock market mm-hmm. wealth is gone. Uh, the world is pretty much in a, uh, a bear market where they've lost 20% from the peak. And um, It's an article from Michael Snyder. We've interviewed him on one occasion on this program, the Economic Collapse Blog. Michael, very intelligent guy, very prolific guy. This is an article that was written a couple of days ago, but global stocks enter bear market. Bear market is defined by if the stock declines 20% from its last high, then people say, "Uh uh-oh, 20% or more, they say, "Uh uh-oh, we're in a bear market. And he says, global stocks enter bear market. One-fifth of all worldwide stock market wealth is already gone. All right, all by itself, that's a fascinating one-fifth. 20% is gone globally out of the global stock markets. That's a fascinating, it's a fascinating headline from my perspective because how do you get wealth to just flat disappear? And it's not a mystery, really, but still it's a little bit odd. You stop to think about it. One-fifth of all worldwide stock market wealth is already gone. Gone where? Did the Illuminati capture it? Did they steal it? All right, did it go to the central banks? Did it go to Obama? Who's got, where did it go? It's gone. It disappeared. And there's something in that that just, it's not, it's not extraordinary. You know, we, it's, you could say the same thing about Cadillac. You were selling Cadillacs for $50,000, but now we're having a sale, and they're going out for $45,000. All right, there's nothing so surprising about that. They're having a little sale. prices down. They've lost 10%. 10% of the value of the Cadillac has disappeared. It's gone. It's not, all that, it's not really all that unusual, and yet 
There's something about one-fifth of all worldwide stock market wealth is already gone. It's gone. It didn't go from, a, from, from investor A to investor B. It has disappeared. And this is the sort of thing. This is another one of these events or headlines you look at it and say, you know, I'm glad I've got a couple ounces of gold. Because no matter what happens, at least the ounces will still be there. All right, price can go up, price can go down. Same thing as the stocks. But uh, in, this, in any case, the argument, or the article from Michael says it's official. Global stocks have entered a bear market on Wednesday. That would be last week. We learned that the MSCI All Country World Index has fallen a total of more than 20% from the peak of the market. So that means that roughly one-fifth of all the stock market wealth in the entire world has already been wiped out. How much more is it going to take before everyone will finally admit that we are having a major financial crisis on our hands? 30%? 40%? There is a strange <laughs> thing in all of this. It'll be 70% out because they be, never admit be, to it. Oh, we're just... <laughs> yeah. Pay no attention, nothing to see here. Just keep moving, just keep moving (laughs) along. It's all under control. And the world seems to sort of accept that. (laughs) You know, it's like living in a a house made out of sugar sugar cubes while it's raining. Don't worry about a thing. It's fine. It's all under control. But the world does keep moving. Yeah, the world does keep moving. They haven't gone into anything like a panic yet. Exactly. They should. But you do, well, I... I don't know if a panic is justified just yet, but we're certainly getting close to that. If I had money um, in there, I'd be panicking, but go ahead. Well, I understand. They should be very concerned. Well, it's not only the investors. If you had money in it, yeah, they'd be concerned. But the guy on the street doesn't have any money in the stock market, probably. Doesn't have any money on the bond market. But if the markets have lost a fifth of the wealth that was presumed to be there, you know, just a few months ago. Fifth of it's gone. That should be cause for concern for ordinary people. Because when that money disappears, some of that stock, I suspect, is being used as collateral. It's been deposited into banks as collateral for loans. If the value of the stock being used as collateral diminishes, some of the loans have to be called in. Well, people have to put up more collateral or something. These loans are helping to uh, make, they are often consumer loans where people can go to the bank and you can borrow enough money to buy a new car, new flat screen TV, new house. If collateral is disappearing, there's not going to be as much access to credit as was formerly the case. If you can't get access to credit, maybe you can't get the house, can't get the car, can't even get the flat screen TV. There are consequences in this that the average person should be paying attention to and should be able to follow to some degree and realize even if you don't have stock, this is not a good sign, certainly for the global economy. um, Michael, again, Snyder, the author of the article, he says as bad as things are in the U.S. right now, though, there's silver lining. He says the truth, we still have a long ways to go to catch up with the rest of the planet. 
Around the world, many major stock indexes indexes are already down more than 30 or 40 percent. All, all overall, the MSCI All Country World Index is down about 20 percent, which officially puts us in bear market territory. And what he's going on, he's he's, he's essentially saying everybody's got trouble, but the U.S. perhaps has less trouble than the other countries in the world, which is, you know, cause for a certain amount of well, yay, yay, a little bit like me. We're on the stern of the Titanic. And those other morons are on the bow, and they'll go down first. Well, yeah, they will, but the stern is going to follow the bow. Um, it'll be, it won't be fun for anyone. Uh, nevertheless, money's disappearing. And we've had now three weeks, over three weeks. We're starting the fourth week in, the fourth, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in January in the markets. We've had some dramatic declines, especially in the first week, not so much the second week. Third week was flatter again. Um, now we're back again, another 200 points or more being lost by the Dow. The, the evidence suggests that this is, this, is, this is not just a temporary little glitch. Markets go up and markets go down. But sometimes a new trend starts where the markets are going down and they're going to keep going down for a while. Or they're going up, and they're going to keep going up. We've got a bear market. We've got a bull market. Right? right now, the evidence suggests we really are in a persistent downturn in the markets and perhaps in a persistent upturn for the precious metals. We'll watch and see, but that's the, that's the way it looks right now. This isn't just a blip. We've had three weeks of this now, going into four. It hasn't been the kind of collapse where, oh, my gosh, run for the hills. But it's still, we're down, what, 1,500 points in the first three weeks on the Dow? Uh, this is persistent. At the moment, this is persistent. And that's what you have to pay attention to and say, oh, my gosh, the trend is your friend when it's going up. Is it your friend when it's going down? Well, it can be. But, I mean, it's still cause for concern. I just pulled up the numbers from the uh, U.S. Mint as far as Silver Eagles are concerned. So far this month, there were 5.7 million coins that were sold. Now, I shouldn't say this month, but for 2016s, uh, you have to remember that they stopped uh, uh, making the 2015s, both the Silver and the Gold Eagles. I think the Gold was in the end of uh, November and and, uh, November. uh, December for the uh, silver. So you get a little bit of a distortion for January of each year because everybody's holding off and and plus there's that big delay before they're released and so forth. So it can be distorted somewhat, but still 5.7 2016 Silver Eagles, 5.7 million uh, Silver Eagles have been sold so far. Um, so absolutely it'll be the first time I'm sure it'll go over 6 million, uh, for a month. So that is still heavy buying, uh, for, for silver for a month. It will be a record. Um, should we sell, you know, the, uh, I'm sure we'll sell 300,000 this week, uh, for gold, you're looking about 112 ounces uh, for the month so far, Uh, 112,000, um, ounces, uh, so far, you have a lot of the fractional pieces, uh, did quite well this month. There was, uh, uh, 
because they stopped making the quarter ounce and the one-tenth ounce back in November uh, for the 2015 so they could uh, uh, begin on the 2016s. And by law, they can't release the 2016s until uh, January. So uh, they were strong for the month, but uh, there was 80,000 one ounce and the rest was in the fractional pieces. Wasn't a record for, for gold uh, for the month, but still a pretty good showing uh, for uh, both gold and silver. So We've got about a 6,000 to one ratio between the number of ounces of silver being sold to the number of ounces of gold being sold. I think you said we had 6 million ounces of silver. Well, we should do 6 million this month. It's not there Actually, yet. 5.7. 5.7. Yeah, yeah, 60 to 1. Um, Excuse me. Is that just, is that just, does that simply reflect the difference in the price of the, of the two metals, or is there anything to be gained from 60 to 1 ratio of sales? You know, is it just average, or is they're buying both of them basically at more or less the same rate? You know, I don't, I don't buy my silver based on ratios. I don't buy my gold based on ratios. And I, I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice number to follow. And, and some people put a lot of, uh, you know, faith into it. I have a lot of people that buy it based on, on the ratio of uh, uh, silver to gold. But uh, I'm an old fundamentalist. I look at the fundamentals. And I believe you buy gold to preserve your purchasing power. And silver you buy for the additional percentage of gains. But it's a little more volatile. And uh, when you have any type of something in a percentage gain that will uh, perform strongly, we see that in the $20 gold pieces. You know, any time that you, you can... Uh, uh, get those types of gains, you're going to have a little more volatility. Does it make it a bad investment? Absolutely not. It's great. So, um, but that's where I stand on on the ratios. Uh, I think silver is very important. Uh, there's a lot going on in that market, and uh, I think you're going to see the miners. Even I'm not a paper person. I, I don't own any shares, mining shares. Uh, people have been decimated in that market. Um, but at least uh, they're they're beginning to be you know you know rebound from you know from the depths of you know whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know remember, pardon? Depths of disaster. A lot of people. Well, it's probably a little bit fortune. lower. Probably a little bit lower than that. But uh, um, so folks, if you begin to get some gains on your miners, or you're beginning to recapture some of your losses, get out of there and. Get it into physical gold. And, uh, you know, remember, when you own paper, you don't own gold. It's paper you own. And I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, you know what, Melody, I did want to buy physical gold, but I got talked into buying paper. And I should have listened to you. Hmm. I mean, if you want to diversify into paper, just make sure it's backed up and you know exactly what you have and you know how it will perform. That's the problem. In paper markets, they promise you the world. You're going to have all these gains. You're going to have all these, uh, you know, you're going to make millions and millions of dollars. How many millions of dollars have been made on the Iraqi dinar yet? You know, and, and again, you have to know how the investment will work during certain periods. And uh, periods have changed. You know, you, everybody compares the depression with a lot of things. The, the miners, I can't tell you how many times I hear about how well the miners have done during the depression. Well, you know what? They did okay, until, but they didn't really perform by those 
hundreds of percentages until they actually confiscated gold in 1933. Then they took off. But, uh, you know, they talk about, oh, they took off uh, when the market collapsed. No, they didn't. They didn't take off until 1933. Go back and look at a chart. They didn't do bad. They did better than other paper investments, but they didn't do that big gain until 1933. So, you know, be careful. And if you have questions, always give me a call and you'll get the truth here and you'll get my uh, honest opinion. Well, it's time for us to take a break, and Melody and I will be back, and we'll be joined by Joe from Arkansas, Joe uh, Alexander, in his book, The Way Book, right here. And um, I have to scroll up here and make sure I get the name of his book correctly. Oh, we'll get it when we start the program. The Way Forward the is Back. The Way Forward is Back, yes. All right, we'll be back with Joe Alexander in just a moment. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w's.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. And our guest is Joe Alexander, who calls in periodically on the program from Arkansas. He's written a book entitled The Way Forward is Back. We've got a number of unusual contentions. He is uh, he thinks we are not. He is 
not necessarily an advocate of evolution, but he thinks that we may be, instead of getting better, maybe we're getting worse as a species. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we've had some beautiful weather here in Arkansas today. And how are you, Al? Can't complain. Hi, Joe. Yeah, hi, Melody. Uh, so if I'm understanding correctly, uh-huh. you don't think the world is getting better. Uh, you're, you're arguing in part of your book that that evolution, the idea the proponents of evolution are saying, you know, everything's getting better. We're becoming a more noble, more intelligent more objective, more just species than what we were. We're evolving from brutes into something sophisticated and remarkable. And you're saying you're not so sure that's true. You have your doubts and you think you've got some strategies that can help people to avoid that decline and actually improve their lives. Is that roughly correct? Uh, yeah, you got it pretty well. Yeah, and you guys seem to say it every day yourselves. You know, on your program, you talk about how the uh, economy is deteriorating from the way it used to be, and you talk about how the country seems to be deteriorating in various ways. There seems to be more and more corruption in politics all the time from what there used to be. You know, the country is in decline and so on like that. You and many other people talk this way. And I think what is the underlying cause of it, you know, it, it reflects, you know, the political and economic decline reflects the underlying decline of the general human bio-spiritual condition, I like to talk about it. Right. What evidence do you have that humanity is degenerating more than it's evolving? Do you have any evidence other than TV? Well, the main evidence, you know, what the, the most convincing evidence, you know, that I've experienced, that anyone can experience, is, is that if you do things to move yourself back towards what would have been our more original or primal condition, you find that your intelligence is increasing, your health is getting much, much better, um, you find yourself becoming more virtuous of character with more integrity, you find yourself um, understanding things that you didn't understand before and developing new interests that you didn't have before. In other words, what I've been finding is that if you do things that move you back more towards what our original or beginning or primal condition must have been, then what you experience is that you become better in every way. You find yourself regaining consciousness, regaining intelligence, regaining health, and so on that we have lost. And in my case, I saw that because I had degenerated so much, I was believing in all kinds of political and economic ideas, which were absolutely ludicrous. You know, I was a very left-wing socialistic progressive type before I started working on my regeneration. And as I made progress in my regeneration, I found myself more and more seeing that the more conservative people had a lot to say that was, you know, that made more sense than what the uh, Marxists and the progressives and the left left wingers were saying. And I got more and more attracted to first conservative ideas and then libertarian and constitutionalist ideas. And I saw that our founding fathers, you know, actually had much more realistic and better ideas on how to arrange our political and economic system than the Marxists and the leftists did, which I had believed in when I was in a very degenerated condition. In other words, as I improved my condition, as I increased my health and intelligence, I found myself more able to comprehend and be attracted to the right sort of political ideas, ideas which could get us back on track, you know, towards a better country and a better world. 
What do you mean by primal condition? You, I mean, you're not talking about we go back and live in caves, uh, carry a club and live, uh, wear a loinskin or something like that. Uh, um, what do you mean by primal condition? Okay, well, take uh, physical health as one example. You know, this is, this is the easiest one to comprehend. Okay, I think it's pretty general knowledge now that there are a lot of diseases very prevalent now uh, that used to be quite rare. And, uh, for instance, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, you know, of course, there's new diseases like right. AIDS and Alzheimer's disease and, you know, um, autism and things like that that have appeared in recent years that just didn't used to exist. And that generally human health seems to be declining. And it's because we are more and more, you know, subject to a toxic environment. We more and more eat food from big food corporations, which is devitalized, you know, doesn't have much nutrition in it, is loaded with toxic chemicals, you know. And, uh, and if we get back more towards how people used to live and eat. You know, if we eat a more primitive sort of diet, like a lot of people have gone to the paleo diet, personally I like the raw food diet, uh, if you go back to what would have been the type of diet that people would have lived on, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago, you generally find your health increases quite dramatically, uh, especially if you go to the raw food diet, you find that you have much, much, much more energy. You get sick much, much, much less often. Uh, you don't have anywhere near the disability in old age that people commonly experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, your, your, your intelligence increases, your spiritual awareness increases, your condition improves in every sort of way. If you detoxify your body and go back to a more primitive sort of diet, you find yourself becoming a much better person than you were uh, in every sort of way. And so that's one of the most obvious and easy to understand examples of how if we go back to how we were designed and meant and formerly lived, uh, you know, our condition improves a whole lot. And then let's, there are other things. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, what's, okay, what, then, what has, what's, what's kind of pulled us away from this common sense diet? Uh-huh. Right? What's, what's moved us away from what nature intended us to be and nature is most conducive to supporting? What's pulled us away to something that is unnatural and perhaps self-destructive. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, like, what, what, it, what has done it? What is the source of that? How did we get from point A to point B? What dragged us there? Well, it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of one, people are, tend to be kind of, you know, liking to indulge in things that feel good at the time, taste good at the time, you know, but are not necessarily good for them. You know, pe- people, people just tend to naturally like to indulge in, Drugs that make them feel good, alcohol that makes them feel good, uh, tasty junk foods that, you know, taste good but are not very good for their health. You know, people just chocolate naturally eclairs. like to indulge does themselves include, in that way. Does, does yeah. this list include chocolate eclairs and ho-os? That sort oh, of, of course, yeah. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I understand. Yeah. And, 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 and so, so it's the natural tendency of people to, uh, to, oh, like to indulge in things that might feel good at the time, taste good at the time, but they're not really good for us. And uh, the second thing is that there, I'm convinced that there are evil people that want to increase the degeneration of the human race, that want to accelerate the degeneration of the human condition. And so they deliberately, you know, advertise and, you know, make it attractive to do things that degenerate our health. You know, think of all the people that are selling drugs, you know, that peddle drugs as the panacea for all our mental and physical problems, you know, when they know these drugs are destructive. And... Uh, and think of all the corporations that peddle foods that they know are destructive for our health, that's but they I'd know they can sell. Placing because, a lot of the you know, blame myself, yeah. I'd place a lot of the blame in the corporations 
because you can't make much money selling raw carrots. You understand? Mm -hmm. What you've got to do is if you can take those carrots, however, slice them up, fry them in some deep fat, (laughs) and package them with a little sugar and salt on them, you can sell a lot more carrots than you can raw carrots. You know, they're not a big profit item. And you're talking about going back to a primal condition with natural foods. And I'm just looking. It's That's a great idea, but it's as business models go, you're not going to get much money out of the bank. So, well, well I, want not to start really, up a, yeah. I want to start up a restaurant to sell just primal foods. Well, I, you know, if you want to be big, you've got to be a corporation. I want to sell something they've never tasted before. It might not be good for them. But it'll it'll drive them crazy. They'll be addicted to it if you catch well, my. Not, yeah, yeah. I think not necessarily because you know we can see from the way things are going. If things are sold in the right way, packages are sold in the right way, uh, people can make a lot a lot of money selling things that really are good for people. You know, think of all the, you know, you know. Of course, alternative radio seems to be mostly supported now by these uh, vitamins and minerals and supplements and superfoods and things like that. You know, which uh, which really are good for people, which really do improve your health. And yeah, uh, I get that, but it's you know, not some of these it's people... not the business model. That I'm just saying, it's not the business model that you want to take to the bank, and certainly not over time. It might be today; it's becoming trendy to some degree. Common sense is perhaps beginning to prevail, but for the last 50 years or 100 years, uh, there was more money in Snickers bars than there was in carrots. You talk about in your in your book. You talk about bio-spiritual regeneration. Your book is not merely about how we can become physically healthier, stronger, have more energy if we change our diet. I mean, that's just one small part of it. You're talking about spiritual regeneration also. Why don't you give us an idea of what you mean by that? Okay, what I talk about in the book, I call them the three nails to bang. I found that, you know, after trying many, many things, you know, for many years uh, to improve my condition, I found that there were three key issues to work on to return as much as possible, you know, to optimum condition. And uh, what these three nails to bang on are, uh, number one, renewal or restoration or boosting up of the bioelectric or spiritual energy. That's nail number one. Number two is detoxing the body and getting uh, your optimum nourishment from the natural raw foods. And number three is releasing any distress from the past, any trauma from the past, any pain from the past that you might be holding in your body in the form of repressed emotional energy. And the, the, the reason I wrote this book is after is I found that when I listened to all the experts, you know, we hear so many experts talking about how to improve our condition, how to improve our health, and so on like that. And I found that generally they were experts in one of these areas. You know, they would be maybe uh, yoga teachers are very good at knowing how to uh, increase your bioelectric or spiritual energy. I think Tai Chi is another thing that people would do for that purpose. And then, uh, then there's many health experts that are great experts at detoxing your body and how to improve your uh, nourishment, you know, with vitamins and supplements and raw foods and so on like that. And then there are a very small, small number of people. Now, this is, the, this is the least understood and least dealt with aspect of holistic health and well-being is the release of distress from the past that's stuck in your body. But it's, I think it's the most important if you want to really gain your free, regain your freedom and be, you know, sort of influential person in the world. Um, because many, many people have uh, trauma from the past or pain from the past or emotional pain from the past stuck in their bodies. And, um, and generally, generally it's not 
well understood how to deal with it, how to release it, how to get free of it, you know, how to uh, it's not even your, well how, how to regain the full joy of life. Of yeah. Yeah. So, so that's anyway, that's the third nail to bang on, which I think is the uh, most outstanding part of my book, because I think I've come to understand this issue, you know, probably, probably better than pretty much anywhere, anyone else out there, because I had such a big case of this to deal with. And I tried so many ways of resolving it, so many ways of working on it. And uh, I think because of that, you know, I, I, I found what I think is the most effective way of working on this issue. And uh, I've seen my condition improve, you know, a lot over the years as a, as a result of working with the uh, with the technique that I discovered for working on this. They say and that you so, believe uh, there's a relationship yeah. between bio-spiritual wellness and yeah. political opinions. Right. Yeah. Can yeah, you there, explain that? Yeah, as I, as I said, you know, if you're not in good bio-spiritual condition, if you're kind of in a deteriorated, degenerated condition, uh, I think you won't really be able to understand or comprehend or be attracted to realistic, sane political ideals. You know, like I say, when I was in a very deteriorated, very degenerated condition, I was a left-wing Marxist socialist. You know, I believe that was the way to go. And I thought that people that were more of the conservative or libertarian or constitutionalist type persuasion, you know, were just plain evil. You know, there was something, there was something nasty and evil and, you know, despicable about them. But as I improved my condition, as I improved my health, as I increased my intelligence, as I freed myself from uh, the trauma from the past that was stuck in my body, you know, I found myself more and more seeing how stupid and misguided and unrealistic, you know, my left-wing socialistic ideas had been and how much more intelligent were our American founding fathers and the conservatives were generally much more realistic and mature than the socialists and the left-wingers. And I found that the uh, constitutionalists and libertarians, I say, you know, have the most realistic, best ideas on politics and economics uh, of all. And, of course, when those ideas are put into practice, as they were more in early America, you know, the country thrives and prospers and becomes a wonderful place to live, you know, uh, much more so than when the uh, unrealistic, you know, socialistic and left-wing and, you know, uh, totalitarian ideas are followed. So I think, I think if people are in good condition, if they're in good health and really intelligent, then they will, you know, see what's wrong with the wrong sort of political ideas and, and they'll be much more attracted to the right ones, and, of course, they'll also have more energy and intelligence to work for them. And How do people so, get uh, a copy of the book, Joe? Okay, you can get it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It costs nine ninety-five or $5 for the e-book. And uh, you can, like I say, you can get it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or from Outskirts Press. Uh, if you go to the website, www.outskirtspress.com slash B-R, B-E-E-Y-A-R, you can find out more information about it. That's how you get the book. And we're looking for The Way Forward is Back. That's the title of the book, true? Mm-hmm. The Way Forward is the Back Way by Forward Joe Alexander. The Way Forward is Back by Joe Alexander. Joe, we need to thank you for for your information. hope you do well with your book, and we'll look forward to talking to you again um, when you call in in the future. All right. Thank you very much for this interview. Sure thank thing. You, thank you. Um, we're going to remind folks that we're going to have Greg Hunter from usawatchdog.com will be our guest tomorrow, and we hope you'll tune in at that time. We're out of time. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Joe Alexander, and 
Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Grandma used to say, Johnny, eat your greens. She knew something about health that we've mostly forgotten. Most of us get little or no greens daily. Four Spectrum Chlorella gives five times the chlorophyll of any plant on earth for cleansing inside out and 50 times more lutein than spinach for healthy eyes. All eight essential amino acids, over 60% high-grade protein, and numerous vitamins and minerals. The cracked cell wall absorbs toxins, even heavy metals, and flushes them out of your system. Four Spectrum Clean Green Superfood is a whole food concentrate with no negative side effects. 100% plant source dehydrated chlorella pressed into tablets using no binders, fillers, excipients, colorings, or other additives. One month supply, $35, two months, only $60 postpaid. Read more at 4spectrum.us. That's number 4spectrum.us. Call 903-714-7767. That's 903-714-7767. Order today. So far, O4 has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead to help you. Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess, which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. The fruits are grown in chaos, distrust, and economic depression. A weary populace can seek peace only from the solutions they offer. They have worked until suicide has become so common that it generally calls forth no legitimate investigation. They have used the courts, the judges, the medical profession, and even the Constitution to further their ends. America now has over one million of its citizens in prison for political crimes. 
So who are they? And how long have they been at this? Psychopolitical Warfare is a 70-page color cover booklet that describes the strategy and tactics behind psychopolitics. Psychopolitics is only $10 from The American Voice. Go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050 for ordering information. This is the American Voice Radio Network, broadcasting live on satellite at Galaxy 7, Transponder 12, Audio 8.1. We're on the Internet at AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You can hear American Voice Radio 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say the All right, welcome to Freedom Call. And uh, we have a 1-800 number for you. This is your program. I'm just the host. My name is Bo Greitz. And we have a special guest today, as advertised yesterday. As a matter of fact, uh, we had one of your fans, uh, Mr. Peruca, that called in and said, hey, how come you don't have Michael Peruca uh, as an interview? And I said, well, thank you for the introduction. Uh, Join us tomorrow, same time, same station, and you will hear presidential candidate Peruca, who represents the Constitution Party. So I want to uh, welcome you. I want to say I've been to your website. I want to say that uh, I'm happy to announce to everybody who's listening that you're much further down the track uh, than I might have thought because the real problem, as you know, is getting on the ballot so that people can vote for you. Well, sure. Now, let me go ahead and just, um, what I want you to do is, because uh, there may be a person or two out there that doesn't know exactly who you are and uh, what you stand for, and I'd like for you to be able to say those things in your own words, so take off. Well, sure. Thank you very much, first of all, for the opportunity to be on your show. I, I appreciate your hospitality and your graciousness. And, and uh, yes, it is very difficult to get ballot access. It's a hugely difficult thing for third parties as is getting major media attention. Both of those things are kind of like pushing a big boulder uphill all day long. Um, and it's natural that it should be that way, I suppose, because both the ballot access rules and uh, major media are both stacked against us. Uh, now, let uh, me ask you a question real quick, sir. Sure. Nader was suing, for example, the state of Texas, because you have such a short uh, period of time, and you have like 50,000 uh, signatures together, and Ralph Nader wasn't able to do that. And so I was just wondering if you have any information, because whatever uh, the outcome of that suit, if it were to be positive and Texas were to let him on, then they'd have to probably open up their ballot for others. Well, that's true. And, you know, all across the country, well, first of all, let me say, I'm sorry, I, I don't have information about exactly where that suit stands in Texas. Texas is one of those states that's extremely difficult. We hope to be on the ballot in, well, we, we would like to be on the ballot in all 50 states. The Constitution Party and Michael Peruca will be on the ballot in at least 40 states. And 
if God grants a little more than that, perhaps we will be in, in more. But, uh, Mr. Greitz, it's like, it's like 50 different elections when you run for president of the United States. It's 50 different sets of rules. So all, all the states have different sets of rules, and as I say, they're set up by Democrats and Republicans. So uh, they're set up, as you might expect, uh, against and slanted against uh, third parties. Um, so, so that, and as I say, ballot act, uh, excuse me, that and, and major media coverage are, are very difficult. But we're hopeful that we can break through and uh, get our message out. The primary vehicle that we use for our message is the, the Internet right now, uh, because that's the vehicle God's given us, and, and it's uh, relatively inexpensive to do. And it allows us to try to do it in an excellent way to as many people as possible. Our message is God, family, and the republic. That is, that's our campaign theme. Uh, we need to, first of all, honor and acknowledge the God from whom all blessings flow. And uh, just like our founding fathers, we recognize that all law and all government come from him. Uh, our Declaration of Independence, which, of course, is our organic law, according to the United States Code, says that all men are created equal, not evolved equal. When Jefferson wrote all men are created equal, of course, he, pre, he presupposed the existence of a creator God. That's where American government begins. If we don't start there, we'll end up nowhere. Um, and, of course, the second uh, presupposition of American law and government is that rights come from God. They don't come from the government. They come from God. And thirdly, the purpose of government, then, it's not to redistribute your wealth. The purpose of government in an American understanding, properly understood, is to protect, defend, and secure those God-given rights. So that's what the Constitution Party believes. That's the theme of our campaign as far as God. We need to defend the jurisdiction of the family, which is being usurped by, by government really at all levels, when we have uh, government trying to redefine marriage, which of course is a folly and a vain thing to do. Um, uh, we have abortion in America, which is an attack on, on the family. We're killing our young and we're taking people's tax dollars to do it. And of course the Republic, God, family, the Republic, we, you know, many people in America, of course, don't even realize that we're not a democracy. We're told all the time we're a democracy. Of course, we are created as a constitutional representative republic. There's a huge difference. Uh, so we need to restore that understanding in America and bring that idea uh, back to American government. The Constitution Party stands for constitutional government and the rule of law. And, of course, the, the two major parties, well, some people call them two parties, Mr. Greitz, but some people just have, a, have admitted that they're really just one party. It's all They've kind of merged together for all intents and purposes. And they think that the purpose of government is to redistribute your wealth, and they've done a pretty bad job of doing that because there's $7 trillion in debt. And uh, we believe that we need to return to a constitutional government based on the presuppositions that I just mentioned. Now, uh, while we're wondering who is going to be the uh, vice presidential running mate for Kerry, as a matter of fact, here in Lost Wages, which I live 50 miles south, just to orient you uh, where I'm broadcasting from. Are you in Henderson? Uh, no, it's, uh, I live in Sandy Valley. You go, okay. uh, it's 50 miles south-southwest. Henderson, by the way, is now a part of uh, lost wages. You know, the way that, that uh, you're a Maryland boy, and you know how the Beltway is up around uh, the District of Criminals. <laughs> and so we now have over a million people in lost wages. Oh. And all those little towns are just sort of merged together. But oh, I see. Uh, 
we uh, and I, by the way, they're taking odds in Las Vegas, and they're saying it's actually six to one, which is not bad odds. Uh, that uh, McCain is going to end up being uh, John Kerry's running mate. Oh. And we know, of course, about Cheney, but you've also got a running mate already. You want to identify him? Yes, I will. And I'm very proud to tell you that uh, Dr. Chuck Baldwin of Pensacola, Florida, is going to be my running mate. We just, uh, the beginning of this month, on, on I guess it was May 2nd, we were down there and had a big uh, kickoff party, an announcement party for for uh, Dr. Baldwin, he is someone who, for a number of years, both in his radio ministry, and he had a, has a program called Chuck Baldwin Live, and also through his internet uh, uh, column that comes out twice weekly called uh, New, uh, News from the Chuck Wagon, I think it's called. Uh, he has been articulating the principles of the, of the foundation of American law and government very wonderfully for a number of years. I'm proud that he's uh, going to join me, and we hope to be, get, get the the nomination of the of the Constitution Party at our at our convention, our nominating convention, which is coming up in uh, historic Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, at the end of uh, June, June 23rd through 26th, and uh, I am very very delighted. He is somebody who he's uh, an excellent speaker, uh, an excellent uh, uh, writer, and he knows the truth about America. Now, June 23rd, because that's one of the big questions I had down here, and it's at uh, Pigeon Ford? Uh, it's, it's in Valley Forge. Valley Forge. Valley Forge, right. My gosh. All right. Everybody knows about Valley Forge. Sure. So it's Valley Forge, uh, Pennsylvania. It's uh, June 23rd, and that's going to be the Constitution uh, Party's convention. And how would uh, – is anyone invited to come? That oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, anyone is invited. And we have a great list of, of uh, speakers, people who are going to – Make presentations about constitutional government and and uh, lay out the vision of the Constitution Party and of course I certainly hope I get nominated there. That's, that's supposed to happen too, and uh, it's a it's a chance for people to meet us and learn what we're what we're all about. Uh, it, and it is open to the public, and you can learn about it by going to our national website, which is constitutionparty.com. Um, I think it's also constitutionparty.org. You can get there either way. And uh, if people want to learn more about my campaign, they can go to perutka2004.com. And let me spell that for you. It's P-E-R-O-U-T-K-A 2004.com, perutka2004.com. Or they can call us at 877-MAP-2004. But if you visit the website, we've done our best uh, to try to make the website as excellent as possible so that uh, it can get our message out to people and, and give a, a good impression and, a, and the, the, of the fact that we are serious. As I say, we plan to be on the ballot in 40 states, um, and uh, we are serious. And uh, the more my opponents keep shooting themselves in the foot, uh, we, we, uh, we hope that we can uh, really gain some traction in the national media. And I, what I, my fear is that we'll get to the end of this and people will say, as they've already said in some cases, Mr. Pruka, I would vote for you, but I just didn't know about you. So that's what we hope, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on your program so that we can help to get the message out. Well, we're grateful that you would spend time with us. I've, I know and have known for uh, ever since when he was a staffer, Bill Richardson, that's my bet for being the VP for Kerry, and I've been thinking about bringing him on the program. Then I thought, you know, 
Uh, what are people going to learn from Bill Richardson? He and I are buds from a long time, but, you know, it's six and one, half a dozen the other. It's the evil of lessers. And by the way, let me congratulate you on your website because how I found you was, I, I found you by uh, just saying on my web search, P-E-R-O-U-T-K-A, Petrutka for President. Mm-hmm. And bingo, you know, there was your uh, your website. Uh, you've got it really well organized, so somebody knows about, uh, about <laughs> the Internet uh, in your family that I lack in mine. <laughs> well, i tell you what. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, a number of people have said that to us, that uh, they appreciate the organization and the, and the, and the style and the, and the uh, ambiance of the website. And, you know, there's a gentleman in, from Harrisonburg, Virginia, named Jeff Butler, who has just he's, – he's the expert and has just done – uh, God has given him some great gifts and talents, and he has used them to help us with this website. I'm just so grateful to him for uh, making that happen. Well, you're going to need angels, you know, being a third party. And, uh, and we see the importance of third parties because, as I was discussing yesterday with our listeners, Bush won over uh, Gore, uh, God be praised, when I think of Al Gore, who who flunked out of uh, Divinity School at Vanderbilt. Uh, he can't be a journalist, I guess, because he has trouble time with spelling and with grammar. He doesn't make a good lawyer, so he becomes a politician. And I didn't like the way that uh, Lieberman spelled his name, L-I-E, just doesn't sound good you know, to have <laughs> up there in the White House. Right. And so we, we didn't have anybody to vote for. Oh. And uh, let me ask you, because this, this, I'm trying to be a little bit humorous here, too, I searched your website. I wanted to know who Michael Perutka is. I know that you're in business with your brother and have been for a long time there in Maryland in the law business, and I saw Howard Phillips. Now, Howard Phillips is a perennial candidate for president, and it said, uh, see what these people have to say about Michael Perutka. And when I hit Howard Phillips, Nothing happened. Oh no! It just came. It just it, it shifted me right over to where your you know your first page is, your mother page. Oh, okay. And I thought, how typical of Howard when it says, "What does he say?" And <laughs> nothing appears. Oh no! Well, Howard Phillips is not running for president uh, in two thousand four. No, Howard Phillips, as a matter of fact, has been a great mentor to me, and is a great reason that I am running. He has encouraged me to run and endorsed me, and uh, inc- uh, as I say, he was he was one of the first people who suggested and encouraged that I do so. Uh, I met Howard because I had begun, along with my brother, a, a program called Institute on the Constitution, where we were studying and learning about and sharing with others uh, in our community and in our state uh, the fundamental principles of American law and government, and trying to reconnect with our own history and our heritage. Now, we started out on this journey, and one of the people that we invited to come and speak to our group was Howard Phillips. And when he came and saw what I was doing, he and I struck up a friendship, and this was a number of years ago, and, and uh, he, he, uh, he has been a great friend and mentor, not just to me, but to many, many uh, wonderful and honorable men, and I'm, I'm privileged to to know him, I, I, you know, it's funny, uh, I actually, back in 1991, heard Howard Phillips on a radio program, and I don't remember what program it was, and it probably only took about three minutes or maybe even three sentences before I said to myself, boy, that's the man, that's the man who ought to be President of the United States. And so I voted for him in 1992, I'd never seen a picture of him, 
I didn't, you know, I said I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't. I never met him, and I voted for him in 1992 and 96 because I just uh, it was it struck me that he was uh, qualified and knew the truth. Uh, and then uh, to to have met him later in my life and then struck up a friendship and have him encourage me to actually run is a real blessing from God, and I'm I'm very grateful for his his discipleship of me. Well, you might uh, just ask that uh, angel that set up your web site to to make the fix on the what okay. does Howard Phillips had to say, and just again being humorous, Howard uh, thinks that I still work with the CIA. Uh, I did at one time, but I. It, it's not true what they say about once, uh, always. But Howard Phillips in Vienna, Virginia, uh, being there in Maryland, you may know that Vienna is a, is a, a satellite sort of off the sure. beltway of Washington. Howard Phillips uh, was in a 7-Eleven, and I walked in right face-to-face with him, and I said, Howard, and he said, my God, Bo Christ. And he, I know I could see in his eyes he thought that I was tracking him or something. Oh. <laughs> Well, Howard, if he endorses you, uh, I think that uh, you've got a strong person there. But you do need, need to make that little fix. We'll get the, we'll get that fixed up. I'm sure that that's just a glitch. We just got three minutes here. We'll be right back with Michael Peruka. We can take your call. I just want you to get to know this gentleman, so you'll have somebody to vote for. Thank you, sir. O4 has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead. To help you, Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess, which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. What will you do in an emergency? Are you ready for domestic terrorism? Food is not something you and your family can live without. Be it a tax on our food, nuclear, biological, or an oil stoppage, any way you cut it, your life could be seriously impacted. Get your family ready now. Take control of your life and be prepared with Ready Reserve Foods. For 30 years, Ready Reserve Foods have helped people prepare for rough times. Ready Reserve Foods are easy to store, needs no refrigeration, and are easy to transport. Now more than ever, you need Ready Reserve Food Storage Program tailored to meet your family's needs. Ready Reserve is the answer to securing your food future. Be self-sufficient and call Ready Reserve Foods right now. Call 1-800-453-2202. That's 1-800-453-2202. All right, welcome back to Freedom Call, and our special guest is Michael Perutka, who is going to be the candidate for the Constitution Party. 
And if you could vote for just one party and you didn't know a thing, all of a sudden your mind was etch-a-sketched, and there you were, and it was vote day, I'd vote for the Constitution Party. Now, Michael, some I have learned this. I'm 65 years old. I'll get right to the caller, so you just stand by there just a second. Okay. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I was voting. I was a lieutenant when Eisenhower was president, and so it was good to like Ike in those days. But I've learned in my travels around the world that you can meet some people that will mean more to you in a heartbeat than others that you've known all your life. And I like you, and I haven't even met you except on your website. But, you know, it was my wife, Judy, and every now and then we men should pay attention, kind of like Abraham had to finally pay attention to Sarah. Maybe more than now and then. (laughs) But, But let me, I want to apologize to you because just before I came on the program with you, for two hours, I was on K-Talk in Salt Lake City, uh-huh. and uh, you know, had all kind of people calling me, wanting to know, you know, what I think about uh, the election, and 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 I kept saying, well, it's we're back to the you know the evil of lessers, and uh, I wish that I would have been on K-Talk tomorrow. And I, by the way, I will be on a lot of establishment media. And when people ask me, as they always do, Bo, in desperation, what do we do? We don't want to waste our votes. With now, And we haven't finished this program yet. But just from the vibes that I got from my bride, who was the one that said, you need to interview Michael Perutka. And I said, well, uh, <laughs> okay. I have somebody to vote for. Now, my, I was at the VA yesterday, and my bride and I, as we walked in, there's a guy sitting there saying, are you registered to vote? And I said, yes, I'm registered as an independent. I said, we never get to vote because there's nobody ever running uh, as an independent. You know, it's not a communist or something like that. Right. Listen, I'm here to tell you, I think now that Judy and I have, and people that listen to me, have someone to vote for. I just hope and pray and again, I apologize for being on K Talk and for two hours I could have been talking about you Ugh. instead of uh, talking about the, the evil of lessers. But I think that our listeners, if they will open their minds and hearts in the time that we have, that they will learn the lesson I'm saying. You can meet some people in a heartbeat that'll mean more than others you've known all your life. And prayerfully, we've got ourselves. Uh, a, a constitutional representative, Michael Perutka. Let's take a call. Caller, go ahead, identify yourself, where you're calling from, and you're with Mr. Perutka. Yeah, this is Randy. I'm the one that called to set this thing up with you all. You were the one that called yesterday, and it was very timely you did. <laughs> right. Well, um, I certainly will vote for you if you're on the ballot in my state, which remains to be seen at this point. Now, that's Florida, is that right? Right. Uh, we expect to be on the ballot in Florida, Randy. Uh, maybe you can make Howard Phillips your Secretary of State. Well, I you can you can, you can bet if God grants the victory uh, of a Peruca presidency, Howard Phillips will be a very influential person in that presidency. Well, you may want to stress, uh, and I think I've said this to Bo. You know, there's an estimated 40 to 50 million so-called Christian evangelicals in this country, and if they would get off the two-party treadmill to, to oblivion. You know, and, and, and just once try to vote for someone like you in a, in a credible third party, you know, we could, we could get a, a decent person in the White House. 
Well, thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. I think many people have accepted this lie, this myth that we have to accept the lesser of two evils. There's a great deal of money and time and effort spent to keep you right in that box. They, uh, the, the major media and uh, a number of uh, powerful interests want to limit it to the to, I mean, what's the chance? What is the chances? I don't really believe in chance, but what's the chance of two major party candidates both being members of Skull and Bones? I mean, come on. Uh, wake up and smell the coffee. This thing is, this, th- there is a filtering process that goes on here, and we could spend six shows talking about that, but, but let's just posit that that is, that, that that's uh, a fact. You, we can argue about it if we'd like, but uh, there's a filtering process going on. Uh, you, and, and the truth is, you don't have to settle for the lesser of two evils. Of course, the lesser of two evils is still evil. You do have a constitutional choice, and if the American people will wake up and accept the fact that they do have a choice and not just listen to what Peter Jennings and Dan Blather and the rest of them say, uh, we can take this country back and we can return to constitutional principles and constitutional government. The vast majority of American people desire to do so, and they think they don't have a choice. And I'm often asked this question about, uh, what about why wouldn't this be wasting my votes? And I would just ask you, what is more, what could be more of a wasted vote than to continue to vote for people from these two parties who have demonstrated their lack of fidelity to the Constitution and to the rule of law? What could be more of a wasted vote than to vote for something that you know you don't believe and people don't believe like you believe? And they've demonstrated that to you over and over again. I think that's a wasted vote uh, and a waste of the precious franchise of your vote. I would agree. And the ones that are parroting the ones that are parroting those comments are the one, you know, basically just the, the, the propaganda from the two-party hierarchy. And uh, you know, I would say, wake up and smell the hemlock, not the coffee. <laughs> just well, a bit of a break right here now, Randy. Appreciate uh, your introduction. Uh, for Mr. Peruka yesterday. He did an excellent job for you, Michael. Thank you. We'll be right back. I think we're all learning something, and maybe we're finding somebody that we can believe in and vote for. Stay with us. Thank you. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. 
The Inside View with Desert Owl, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. right here on American Voice Radio Network. Desert interviews the most interesting and controversial guests you will hear on radio and takes calls, too. Listen on Galaxy 11, Channel 12, Audio 8.10, on your big C-band satellite dish, and on the Internet at AmericanVoiceRadio.com or .net. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Swiss America's CEO, Craig Smith, says there are four major facts pushing gold prices higher. One, the dropping dollar, reducing our standard of living. Two, trillion-dollar debt and deficits, living on borrowed time and money. Three, scandalous Wall Street behavior, fueling a confidence crisis. And number four, terrorist attacks adversely impacting economies and oil prices. Now, I'm no economist, but common sense tells me all this adds up to higher gold prices. Get informed. Take action. Call my good friends at Swiss America to understand why gold is such a safe haven. At 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-BUY-COIN. Ask for your free 2004 Gold Rush Kit for $25 value. That's 1-800-289-2646 or 1-800-BUY-COIN. This is the American Voice Radio Network, broadcasting live on satellite at Galaxy 7, Transponder 12, Audio 8.1. We're on the Internet at AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You can hear American Voice Radio 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. got one of them on the radio with us. His name is Michael Perutka. He is a candidate for President of the United States. He gives you an opportunity not to waste your vote. He represents the Constitution Party. They're going to have their convention June the 23rd at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. If you want to know about Michael Perutka, then you can. You can do just like I did. I just put in Perutka, P-E-R-O-U-T-K-A, Perutka, for president, and it popped right up to his website. Otherwise, you can go legitimately through www.perutka2004.com, and it'll give it to you. You can go to constitutionparty.com, probably. Now, one of the more interesting things, that I found on the Michael Perutka for President webpage is the fact that uh, George Jr., I call him Mini-Me Bush, is trailing Michael Perutka by 45 points. And I thought, by golly, wouldn't this be neat if it was November <laughs> 2004. Go ahead and explain, uh, Mike, some of the things that have been happening there that give you those well, kind of well, sure. You know, you know, there have been a lot of encouraging things, and what you're referring to there, I think, is uh, there have been a lot of different polls, and there was a poll put up by DixieNet, and that's a lot of my friends in the South, um, and uh, the 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 DixieNet poll listed, and it didn't really 
uh, when the poll was put up, uh, a man named, I think it's Rich, or, uh, his last name is Holland, I think it's Ron Holland or Rich Holland, he put that he put that poll up there for people to vote for. And this is a group of people who are uh, constitutionist, and, and uh, th- these are people who are mostly Christians and people who believe in, in uh, American, uh, return to an American constitutional government. So they're people that are going to be naturally kind of on my side. Uh, and I, I was just, that poll was up for about a week, and I received almost 70%. It was 69.8-something percent. And George Bush received much, much less. And, uh, and John Kerry was hardly received anything. And I was just so encouraged by that. Now, of course, that was kind of a home game for me. That were people that I knew were going to be supporting me. But even in some other polls that have been put up by uh, the American Family Association, I think you can go to 10millionvoters.com. Uh, and there have been a lot. I can't keep up with all the different polls that are out there. But I have done, uh, I, I, in very, what I consider to be very encouraging results, uh, people are looking, people are very, very disillusioned. And I, I know you have callers coming in, but I want to say one thing that, that probably more than anything else that's brought people to our party, even if they don't know Michael Peruca or they don't know our party, uh, the Constitution Party very well, which, by the way, is the largest third party in America, by the way. We're the biggest third party in terms of membership. Um, this, this, this amnesty for illegal alien proposal that uh, George Bush came out with has just scattered people looking for an alternative. And because uh, the American people, even if they're, they, they're not, they don't know our theology or our philosophy so well, they know that, that trying to take something that's illegal and make an eight or nine or 10 or 14 million people who have done illegal things, all of a sudden just calling it legal is a breach of his oath of office. And Pat Buchanan called it a massive reward for illegality. And I quite agree. And, and uh, that, that has brought a lot of people to our ranks. Now, what about Pat Buchanan? He, uh, every election, uh, has, oh, a little following. He's kind of like Nader. And by the way, I was explaining yesterday that Nader was meeting with Kerry, and Kerry was going to try to convince Nader uh, not to run because uh, Gore won by, or he lost, rather, by only about 600 votes in Florida. Nader had about 100,000 votes, which shows that uh, that third party is important. Sure it is. And I don't know what happened with their conversation uh, yesterday because I was interested in, in talking to you. But uh, what about Pat Buchanan? seems like an awful lot of his followers, if he's not running, uh, and I, I tell you the truth, I like Pat Buchanan. I would have voted for him if I could have. But Pat would not run on a, uh, a third-party ticket. It was, yeah. it was very frustrating. Well, a lot of people feel the same way about Mr. Keyes as well. Mr. Buchanan, Mr. Keyes, I have met them both. I, I know Mr. Alan Keyes a little bit better uh, than I know Pat Buchanan, although we have met and I've been to and I've uh, I've been to some of the the events of the American Cause, uh, which which is a group started by him. Uh, uh, and there there are people. There's something called the Buchanan Brigade, and the the lady who's in charge of that has distributed some emails saying that she's supporting me. Uh, so I've gotten I've gotten some support from some Buchanan uh, uh, folks, which I'm very grateful for. I have a lot of respect for uh, Mr. Buchanan, and uh, he has not. Uh, endorsed me or anything, but uh, but uh, we're going to agree on a lot of different points. Um, perhaps I, I might come from it from a different point of view, and I don't. Um, I think I think his 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 approach, with all respect to him, 
is uh, foundationally flawed. I don't believe you're going to get reform in the Republican Party. Uh, and I, and I, I, I frankly don't think you're going to get reform in the Reform Party as well, but that's, a, that's a, a longer thing to discuss. But I think the way that we're going to get real proper restoration, not reform, but restoration in America, is to go back to the foundational principles of America. Again, there is a creator God. Rights come from him. The purpose of government is not to redistribute your wealth, but to protect and secure and defend those rights. And when you hear, for example, that President Bush, uh, uh, in his State of the Union address, talking about making the world a safer place, again, with all due respect to him, he, you know, the presidency is a is is a, a world leadership position, but you know, he's not the president of the world, and the world is not his constituency. The people of America are his constituency, and we have to stop this globalist, one world, new world order kind of approach. Uh, because it's uh, it's to the detriment of American sovereignty and American interests. I think it was actually Kennedy that said we have permanent interests, but we don't have any permanent alliances. And this idea of being being wed to the United Nations and the New World Order, this is something that's antithetical to an American understanding of law and government. And we've got to get out of the UN, and uh, we have to stop having international bureaucrats tell us how we should run our country. Uh, this, uh, this is. A, I would be an American president looking out for American interests, um, and we're not the policeman or or the the big brother of the world. Well, you're actually demonstrating a couple of facts. One is, if we could vote for the president's wife, uh, then uh, I don't know your your bride, but uh, <laughs> Laura Bush was a delightful person uh, on Jay Leno last night. Oh, was she? And I thought to myself, what an articulate, intelligent, witty person. Too bad we can't vote for her. we got to vote if, if, you, if you do vote for well, Amy Bush. But you you do have an ability to speak in what I'm and communicate. And what I'm wondering is, I noticed on your website there was mention of Fox News. Is anybody there opening up uh, for your third-party thoughts? Well, yes, they are. And, and, you know, there's some encouraging news there, too. Uh, Fox News gave us a full three minutes. This is about three weeks ago, maybe almost a month ago. They gave us a full three minutes on their national news. And uh, that's a long time and very, very good coverage. And, they, and uh, when, you, when you start to break through like that, then other things occur. And I've, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to spoil this, but we, I just got a call two days ago from a very well-known national uh, uh, anchor, and if if we can uh, break through there uh, and get some coverage there, then uh, that might really open the door. Uh, we also have, uh, I expect to be on C-SPAN's, um, uh, I think it's, I forget the name of the program, it's, it's a call-in program they have in the mornings, and uh, I, you know, I, we hope to have C-SPAN cover our convention. Again, you know, major media is committed to a new world order kind of oligarchy uh, uh, situation, and uh, it's it's tough to break through that because we are to, to them from their worldview. We are from Mars. Of course, we're not from Mars. They are. We're from America, <laughs> and we represent an American understanding of law and government. You know, if I could if, if I could just speak to that for a second. You know, Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution lays forth the eighteen things that the Congress has the authority to tax and spend your money on. And, you know, health care is not one of them. And education is not one of them. And the National Endowments for the Arts is, is not one of them. 
All of those things we would eliminate in a uh, in a Peruca presidency in a Constitution Party uh, uh, administration. Those, those we would reduce go- constitutional government would be much smaller government. It would be much less intrusive government. It would be much less expensive government, and it would be lawful government. You know, we we sent all our men to Iraq, and and I admire our soldiers. Of course, I support our soldiers and our troops. But we've sent them without a declaration of war. The American people, the American government, has actually in Iraq in an unlawful posture. Now, when our soldiers do these disgraceful and despicable, and this minority of soldiers have done these these dehumanizing or and unhuman acts. Uh, they, we are, we are. I think it was Judge Lewis Brandeis many, many years ago said, uh, you know, uh, illegality breeds illegality. We have, we have a federal government that's acting outside of the scope of the Constitution. That is to say, it's hard to say this, hard to hear it, but we're acting unlawfully. And what kind of example are we giving to our own troops? So uh, we've got to pull all that back, and uh, we have to protect America's vital interests and. Uh, I, I don't know if your listeners are, in, are familiar with the Project for the New American Century, which is something that was uh, put out on the Internet way before the, uh, the Republicans took power here, way before the Bush presidency, maybe in 1997. And it laid out a plan for a permanent military presence in the Middle East. And it was signed by Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and Paul Wolfowitz and others who are now in positions of power. This is, this is, of course, 1997 now, before Bush was elected, way before. And it laid out what they wanted to do in the Middle East. And I believe that the, you know, 9-11 was used as the pretext for doing what they wanted to do. And people like uh, Mr. Richard Clark in his book Against All Enemies and Mr. O'Neill in his book and others have come out and said this. And, of course, they've been vilified in the, in the mainstream press. But uh, this, is what, uh, this is what's going on in Iraq, and we are acting unlawfully. And, and that doesn't mean that I, that I don't have great respect for American military. But, we're, but, but they should not be sent on fool's missions or illegal missions. Uh, they should be used to defend the vital interests of the United States. You know, you're a, a lawyer, and so you can back me up on this. I noticed on your website that you were in the company of Judge Roy Moore, who, of course, uh, was the uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, there in his home state, and then he was uh, required to stand down because of his position on the Ten Commandments. And yet, as a Chief of Congressional Relations in the Office of Secretary of Defense, uh, I spent a lot of time on both sides uh, of the Capitol building and the Senate and the House. And right across the street is the Supreme Court uh, building. And when you walk in there, (laughs) the first thing that meets you is this huge representation of the Ten Commandments. Uh, there's Moses. Uh, then you, sure. right behind the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, are the Ten Commandments. Sure. And uh, it just, it, it, to me, I'm wondering what game are we playing when the Supreme Court is not about to get rid of this one historical uh, piece of beautiful artwork. Well, but I, yet, uh, and I wanted to get your opinion about Roy Moore, and plus, I wanted you to speak. You know. Montana, Great Falls, Montana, must have a thousand people, maybe a thousand people in it, 
and all thousand of them were there to listen to you and uh, Judge Roy Moore. <laughs> what a great event that was. You're talking about an event about two months ago in, in Montana, put together by uh, Jonathan Martin and some other Constitution Party folks in Montana. It was a wonderful evening, and I had the great privilege of being on, on the same program as Chief Justice Roy Moore, who is a friend of mine. Uh, Bill, I would be honored if I could just tell my great-grandchildren that I was in the room with Chief Justice Roy Moore. He is such a wonderful American hero. But to actually uh, uh, be on stage with him and be, a, be able to call him a friend is just a tremendous privilege. Uh, yes, he's, he stood up for the rule of law against the rule of men, which, is, which we've gotten used to in this country because it's been going on for 45, 50 years. Uh, we think that what federal judges say is law. Shoot, it even, it even says opinion at the top of the page. It's, every time they write a, a, write, write a ruling, that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's law. Uh, he was forced to listen to the, this, this uh, unrighteous and illegal ru uh, ruling by a federal court or, or uphold his oath of office to the Constitution of the state of Alabama and the United States of America, and he chose to do the latter. He is a true hero. And, uh, uh, yes, I, I would... Uh, he, that leads me to this point. The Constitutional Restoration Act, which is something that he helped to develop and has been introduced in the House and the Senate, is something that your listeners should encourage their, uh, their representative in Congress and their, or their, their U.S. Senator to, to co-sponsor. It's uh, House Bill 3799, and I think it's Senate Bill 2082. And uh, this would limit the jurisdiction of the, of the, of the federal courts under Article Three, which is a very proper thing to do. Uh, to say that they can interfere in matters of religion, and, and it would take all that, all this prayer in school and stuff away from the federal courts, which it shouldn't be there anyway. Um, so I, I very much encourage people to uh, uh, to get behind the Constitutional Restoration Act, and they can learn about that by going to morallaw.com. I think that's the Chief Justice's uh, website, but. Uh, uh, morallaw.com. And but, but what a great and noble American he is, and I uh, I fully support uh, his his stand against out of control federal judges. Whatever happens in this election in November, we've got to unelect the imperial judiciary. Now I'm hoping that uh, people are going to be interested in your presidency because uh, uh, my heart aches for America. When I look at my bride, Judy, and, and she's asked me, uh, how come we, there isn't anybody to vote for in America? Uh, it makes you almost want to break down and cry. When I was a kid, uh, I used to, to love the part about stand beside her and, and guide her uh, through the light uh, with the might from above, and tears would run down my face. I've always uh, looked to be a champion for America, and when we don't have anyone to vote for, it is a damn shame. And I know that this country, you know, and it's a bullet of iniquity, we, we get what we deserve. But I hope that people that are listening will, one, write down your name, Michael Perutka, P-E-R-O-U-T-K-A, Constitution Party. Now, we'll be taking a little bit of a pause. When we come back, though, Michael, I understand you've got a newsletter. I want to make certain that every avenue of communication, your telephone number, uh, explain it when we get back. It's 877-MAP, M-A-P, 2004, I understand. I want them to be able to have 
and they are warned. I warn them, you be well armed. That's an order when you tune in to this program. You be armed with something to write with. And I'll be right back with Michael Perutka. Grandma used to say, Johnny, eat your greens. She knew something about health that we've mostly forgotten. Most of us get little or no greens daily. Four Spectrum Chlorella gives five times the chlorophyll of any plant on earth for cleansing inside out and 50 times more lutein than spinach for healthy eyes. All eight essential amino acids, over 60% high-grade protein, and numerous vitamins and minerals. The cracked cell wall absorbs toxins, even heavy metals, and flushes them out of your system. Four Spectrum Clean Green Superfood is a whole food concentrate with no negative side effects. 100% plant source dehydrated chlorella pressed into tablets using no binders, fillers, excipients, colorings, or other additives. One month supply, $35, two months, only $60 postpaid. Read more at 4spectrum.us. That's number 4spectrum.us. Call 903-714-7767. That's 903-714-7767. Order today. So far, O4 has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead. To help you, Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. All right, the program is Freedom Call. I'm the host. My name is Bo Greitz. Our special guest is Michael Perutka, who is the Constitution Party's presidential nominee. That'll be confirmed at Valley Forge on June the 23rd. Mr. Dr. Chuck Baldwin is his choice for vice president. And your vote does make a difference. I There's nothing sadder, and I just make no comment when people come up to me, Michael, and say, you know, Bo, I was going to vote for you, uh, but uh, I didn't want to waste my vote, and, you know, what do you say to them? Then they oh. say, well, I wish I would have voted for you. What do you say to them? Uh, well, so there can be well, no excuse for people not being able to, to cast a vote this year, and I'd like for you to go through uh, all of the different means of communication so that they sure. can get on your team. Sure, I'm going to do that. Let me let me first say that, that Bo, that, that uh, it is the, the duty of people who are in elected or appointed uh, office to uphold their oath of office. But it is the duty of the rest of us to hold them accountable to that oath of office. And one of the things that is extremely important, you have a precious franchise of a vote. You have a precious opportunity to cast your vote. And they have convinced many people in America with this big lie that you waste your vote if you don't vote for the winner 
or if you don't uh, vote for someone that they say has a chance to win. Well, first of all, I don't believe in chance. I believe in God's providence. It is our dude, uh, John Quincy Adams, when he was trying to fight against slavery, and it seemed like he could not prevail. He said, duty is ours, and consequences are God's. So we have to do our duty. You know, the harvest or the victory is up to God. But if you don't do what's right, then you don't deserve liberty. If you don't vote for your conscience and you vote for something that you think is the lesser of two evils, then you're going to get evil. You're going to reap that whirlwind. So I urge people, don't waste your vote on people who have demonstrated their lack of fidelity to the Constitution, who have demonstrated the fact that they hate America. When you listen to them talk about their unconstitutional spending on their unconstitutional programs, they're telling you the reasons why as a good, honest, decent American citizen, you can't vote for them because they're telling you that they're going to break their oath of office even before they take it. So please make yourself knowledgeable about your alternatives, and you do have a constitutional alternative. Please go to perutka2004.com, P-E-R-O-U-T-K-A-2004.com. You can call our head campaign headquarters in Maryland at 877-627-2004. You can actually fax us if that's the way uh, you operate. You can fax us at 410-766-8592. Uh, again, our, our, our phone number is 877-627-2004. And our website is perutka2004.com, P-E-R. O-U-T-K-A-2004 dot com. Now, if, if there's something, if you would like to be helpful in your state to either get ballot access or do some other volunteer work, which is, which is greatly, greatly needed and greatly, ladies and gentlemen, appreciated, um, and it is, it is your reasonable service, uh, you can co- go to the, the constitutionparty.com, constitutionparty.com, website and click on the state there's a little map there you can click and find out your state contact and you can contact them either by email or by phone and uh and see how you can help in the state where in the state where you live and uh it's it you know it's not out of the question we could be on the ballot in all 50 states if we actually had the support and the help and speaking of support i have to i have to ask um you know uh, our ability to get our message out does depend on finances. Uh, you know, the Democratic and Republican parties and Mr. Bush and Mr. Kerry receive matching funds, uh, which is your tax dollars. We won't apply for them, even if we, uh, even, even in the situations where we, where we can, uh, uh, where we can get them, we will not ask for them, nor will we accept them. Uh, we feel that uh, to take that money, take taxpayers' money uh, against, uh, to, to, against their will, to for political purposes is not righteous. It's certainly nowhere in Article 1, sec- Section 8 of the Constitution. So we won't do that. Uh, but we have to ask for your help. If you could go to the website, there's ways that you can contribute. And we ask you, implore you, if you care about your country, and we hope you do, um, and you care about constitutional government, we implore you to give us uh, your aid. And, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to be with you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Greitz, and to and uh, to have your help in getting our message across yeah. to America. I hope I can be with you again. Uh, Michael, it won't be the last time that we'll have you on, and I'll certainly be talking. And next time I'm on K-Talk, 
uh, in uh, Salt Lake City, we'll have something to talk about. Okay. I I want everybody to do this. Uh, go ahead and send email or call in to Fox, uh, like the O'Reilly no spin factor. That's he's right. A, yeah, he's a pretty good guy. And just say, hey, how come you don't have Michael Perutka from the Constitution Party on? You do your part. No one person can do everything, but each of us can do something, and it's together that we get through this. Michael, we'll have you on again. God bless you. Everybody, stay where you are and keep listening to America Voice. Thank you. And thank Judy. Yes. <laughs> thank you very much, folks. Make him one of America's best. He'll be a man. They'll test one day. Have him win. This is the American Voice Radio Network. Broadcasting live on satellite at Galaxy 7, Transponder 12, Audio 8.1. We're on the Internet at AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You can hear American Voice Radio 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 that's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Welcome to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, and today is Monday, January 25th, 2016. Sorry about not giving you a heads up about the last week. Uh, I had it in my calendar that I was to have some oral surgery last week and forgot to bring that forward and uh, give you a heads up and warning. So uh, I'm sorry. The surgery went off well. There was no complications, unlike um, the same type of oral surgery that I had 15 years of before uh, in that exact same area of my mouth, <laughs> which made me end up in an ICU for five days, four days, and then in the hospital for two more days after that. Loads of fun, but not, not at this time. Anyway, uh, 
This is the Constitutional Crusader show, in case you haven't figured that out. It is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is we, of course, do give an exemption to those members of Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those agents from the United States government that are paid to listen to this show. After all, if we required them to think, it would create a hostile work environment. You figure out what I mean by that. It should be very easy, too. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple, 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant messenger directly to your host through Yahoo Instant Messenger ID KC7AQK. As is our want, we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy, quote, It's easier to fool people than to convince them they have been fooled, end quote. Hmm. It's funny how politicians have figured out Mark Twain so well. I can only shake my head over that, my friends. Okay, we have 23 pages in today's show newsletter. Your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom. And we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. And welcome back to the show. Remember, my job is very, very simple. For those of you who have not been listening to this show for very long, it's real simple. My job is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. See, if you're disturbed, I'm going to comfort you by telling you the things and that the way they are and et cetera. And if you are, um, you know, if you're disturbed or if you're comfortable, you're comfortable with things the way they are. Well, I'm going to disturb you by shaking up your worldview a little bit. And how do I do this? It's real simple, my friends. I do this by asking questions. And you can also, but only if you continue to support this show. This is not NPR. This is not government-funded here. This is, uh, this is private, you know, Free band radio, free band in that, uh, you know, all you got to do is plug in and tune in and start listening, but uh, it isn't free to put it on the air. So you have a choice. It's real simple. 
You can take the blue pill, you know, change the station, fail to support the show and the network, etc. And the end result, well, it's real predictable. You wake up in your bed and you believe whatever you want to believe, and this show and the network, well, it ceases to exist. You know, tra-la-la, life is good. Or you can take the red pill, support this show and this network, and I continue to show you how deep that rabbit hole goes. See, I'm only offering you the truth. But the truth does not come free. You have to fight for it, my friends. It's as simple as that. Well, speaking of fighting for the truth, first up on the hit parade here, Bernie Sanders said something sane. Yeah, he actually said something sane, my friends. And because he said something sane, well, I have to feature that first up on the hit parade because... You know, these kind of things don't happen very often, my friends. What did he say something saying? Well, he said something saying about campus rape. And, of course, the social justice warriors and the feminazis and, and such, they are, oh boy, they're getting really hot-headed and they are attacking him. They're calling him crazy. Well, he isn't crazy in this response. Rape really is a violent crime that the police should handle. Yeah, it didn't take very long, my friends. That is, victims' advocacy groups are now going after Sanders for asserting that campus sexual assault, like all other kinds of sexual assault, is best left to law enforcement. Yep. In his comments early uh, in this month, Sanders stated rather explicitly that rape must always be dealt with, always be dealt with as a criminal manner rather than as an educational issue. Now, while that may seem like a stridently anti-rape stance, it actually puts him at odds with the vast majority of campus advocacy groups. This is how bad it's become, my friends. And these advocacy groups agree that rape is an epidemic and believe that campus-run show trials that results in mere expulsion are the best way to deal with rapists. The Huffington and Puffington Post interviewed several such activists who were dissatisfied with Sanders' comments. Here are some of their responses. Advocating for requiring survivors to go to the police shows his lack of understanding of what constitutes equity on campus, said Andrea Pino, a survivor and co-founder of the activist group End Rape on Campus. She concluded by saying, and it also demonstrates an ignorance of the current lack of police preparedness on this issue. Okay, maybe she didn't bark, but she probably should have. Anyway, Alexandra Broadsky, what a name, wow, um, a Yale Law student and co-founder of the advocacy group known as, called Know Your Nine, and that's the Roman numeral nine, um, to kind of reflect Title Nine. okay, said Sanders has, quote, a lot to learn, end quote, saying, without key interventions by their schools, 
many survivors won't be able to continue with their educations, Broadsky wrote on Feministine, where she is an editor. She can continued saying an extension on a paper due the week after an assault might make the difference between a victim staying in school and dropping out. No police force can provide that kind of accommodation. Don't want victims sitting in the classroom along somebody who raped them. A school can often make that happen more quickly than a student can get a restraining order, particularly if he or she has trouble accessing a court, end quote. Well, I did notice one thing in Broad Sky's statement. This is one of the very first, very few feminist statements that make accommodations to he or she. You know, it's it's very, very difficult. It's almost, almost pulling a tooth without painkiller difficult to get a feminist to admit that women are not the only victims of rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the most charitable explanation of their arguments for why colleges, rather than, or at least in addition to, the police, should handle rape is this. This is what's going on here, my friends. It's sexual assault is not merely a crime in their view, but it's a violation of Title IX that I was referring to a little earlier. That's the provision of federal law that prohibits gender-based discrimination on higher education. Student victims of rape have been deprived, of their theory is that they've been deprived of their legal right to an education, and thus campuses are obliged to put certain practices in place to help them cope. Practices that neglect the due process rights of accused students. Now, this is a big daggum deal, my friends, because when you have Broad Sky that I quoted earlier saying if he or she has trouble accessing the court, that's an admission that it goes both ways. So therefore, it's not a gender discrimination issue, but. That's what they're trying to make it out in. See, gender discrimination issue is where one gender is treated differently than another gender. Well, if it's an equal thing, that it's being applied equally to men or women, because either a man or a woman can be the victim of rape, and indeed is coming out more and more and more that clearly 49% of all rapes are committed uh, by women on men. So uh, it's if they're treating them the same, it's no longer a gender discrimination issue. So th- that's why so many feminist groups want to exclude the idea of women being capable of even being charged with rape. Yes, seriously. That is what many feminist groups are out there doing. So This argument is something of a tautology, my friends. You have unelected bureau rats in the Title IX agency, which is the Office of Civil Rights, who invented the idea that sexual assault is a deprivation of a student's civil rights rather than just a violent crime. And these same bureau rats are the ones proscribing all the... 
solutions for it. It looks like we have an instant message here. Let's see what we got here. Maybe these people don't want the police handling it because if you lie to the police, you may go to jail, question mark. Exactly. That's a huge part of it, my friends. But remember, Hillary has addressed this issue. Yes, Hillary, that brings up, this is not part of the article here, but that that comment here has released in my fertile brain the remembering that Hillary recently tweeted that all survivors of domestic assault and rape must be believed and must be comforted. Of course, immediately Juanita Broderick and and about 20 others that were the victims of Bill Clinton came back. Does that include us? And uh, Hillary's been silent on that issue, of course. But anyway, I digress. Where was I? Oh, yes. Activists maintain that students should have the option to report to campus administrators, the police, or both. But it's worth wondering whether this extra path, where innocent people are treated too harshly and guilty people are not treated harshly enough, deters victims from going down the road that would actually protect the broader community, that is, the one just beyond the university, from dangerous predators, and that path would be reporting to the police. Now, it would not surprise me, my friends, if the pushback from activists actually end up persuading Sanders to walk back his comments. After all, he's walked back so many other things. Just stay tuned and you'll find out, because I'm going to report about other things that he's walked back on later on in the show. But frankly, he should really stick to his guns. And you know why? In this instance, wow, I know I'm, I, I'm, it's like, wow, I'm actually going to say this? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say this. Sanders is right. He's right. <laughs> As he said, rape is a terrible crime, and the way it's handled by campuses is insulting. And again, I'm just I'm holding my head here to keep it from falling off my shoulders when I say Sanders is right. <laughs> Whoa! It's like amazing, my friends. Now, all of this is the inevitable result of making rape a civil rights case. I've been telling you about this for a long time, about how it's been happening on campus. Well, I also warned you. So here we go. Here we go again, my friends. We're only in the one, two, third broadcast of January. The third third broadcast of this year, and already I'm doing a see, I told you so, my friends. I said this was going to happen, and here it is. California colleges to make proving innocence a punishable offense. I told you this was going to happen. Advocates for due process knew this day was coming, and I told you it was coming. We knew that one day colleges would notice 
that there's only one way for students accused of sexual assault would be able to defend themselves and that the colleges would make that defense in and of itself a violation of policy. Now, what is it? It's the new policy that's coming out of California, which led the way in inserting campus bureau rats into the bedroom with its affirmative consent policies. Those policies mandate how students must engage in sexual activity, not as a passionate act, but as a contractual question and answer session. The only way to prove one followed such a policy is to videotape the encounter, but now California colleges are making such recordings a violation of school policy. Yep, yep, yours truly, due process active advocate. I knew that one day a student would try to record an encounter to retain evidence that he obtained sober consent. And I knew that if that accuser then claimed that she was too drunk to consent to sex, someone would make the argument that she must also have been too drunk to consent to a recording. And that's where the policy comes in, my friends. In a Q&A with the University of California's daily newspaper, the Daily Bruin, Title IX officer, here we go again, Title IX officer Kathleen Savalti said students could be expelled for recording sexual encounters without consent, even though the recording has a recording of the consent being done. Here's their logic. Savalti had been asked, about the new policies, including mandatory minimums for sexual assault, which include a two-year sanction, and for most cases, we'll set that aside for a moment, okay? Savalti said that sanctions can include expulsion and listed the offenses that were subjected to the mandatory minimums, such as, quote, aggravated conduct is sexual assault, domestic violence, or stalking, in which at least one of the following factors is present, use of force, causing or taking advantage of incapacitation, or recording or showing sexual images without consent, end quote. That's what Savaldi said. So, the new policies in effect at California universities also shift the adjudication process away from hearings and away from evidence and away from deliberation to the single investigator model, which is open to severe bias. Now an investigator in the university was under pressure from the education department to find more students responsible will conduct the investigation and determine culpability. And if the accused student is found responsible, he or she, most likely he, can appeal the decision and only then will get a, he will get a hearing. My friends, this is the old routine of how many traffic tickets, speeding tickets have you written, officer? Oh, you haven't met your quota. Mm-hmm. I told you this was coming. I told you. I told you. See, I told you so. The odds of the appealing body overturning a decision will be slim <clears throat> to none when the evidence they have is from a biased investigator. Now, we've seen cases where appeals courts refuse refuse to accept new evidence from accused students and end up affirming the original decision, and the new California policies all but guarantee 
accused students will be found responsible without a fair or an impartial investigation. Now, back to those mandatory minimums. See, these schools don't provide accused students with the means to defend themselves and are now actively punishing them for providing the only evidence they could possibly present in their favor, and they want to impose mandatory minimum sanctions. So schools in California are railroading students and then ruining their lives without any care for truth or due process. Men, take note if you're looking to attend school in California. Well, (laughs) take note of this, my friends. Now, it's not surprising that Savalti, you know, that Title IX officer, uh, didn't respond uh, to the reporter that wrote this up for, you know, didn't respond to, you know, questions and inquiry prior to the story going to the press, you know. Hmm, I wonder why. Hmm, yeah. Actually, I don't wonder why, my friends. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, eh, We got enough time here to get started. Um, This, my friends, shows you the effects of political correctness. All of what I've talked about so far this show and what I'm going to continue to talk about is the effects of political correctness that is creeping totalitarianism. Former Harvard president Larry Summers warns of creeping totalitarianism on college campuses as a victim of political correctness. He denounces the students' lack of perspective. Yeah, yeah. Let's get started with just the first paragraph and see if we have any more time. He says, to regard it as one of life's premier moral injustices to have to eat dinner underneath a portrait of Woodrow Wilson is to lose perspective on what is happening in the world, end quote. See, that's what former Harvard uh, University President Larry Summers, his take on the increasingly petty concerns of college students, which she shared during a revealing conversation with the Weekly Standards' Bill Bristol. Now, I'll give you a little bit more on what he had to say on the other side of the break, and you're really going to want to pay attention here, my friends, because this really shows how it happens. It literally is that creeping totalitarianism that I've told you about so many times over and over again. You don't notice it. It's the old frog boiling in a pot of water routine. You throw them in the cold water and the frog, oh, this is pretty good. This is cool. I can swim around in this. This is great. And then you turn on the heat and start swarming up. Oh, this isn't too bad. Oh, wow, this is kind of like a hot tub. Oh, wow, this is great. And by the time the frog realizes... It's too hot. He's been weakened to the point he can't jump out anymore. That's what we're looking at, my friends. And it's coming up on you. All I'm doing is pointing a light at it so you can see it. It's up to you to take notice of it, my friends. And that's what I'm trying to do on this show, is to point out these things. When I say often... I'm nobody special. I'm just someone who sees the tall grass rustling, and I go over and I stick my nose in it to see what the heck it is. And 
I discover it, point out to you. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. Online by going to Wichita. 
UtahHomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, Constitutional Counselor, and we are talking about political correctness gone wild in one sense or another, my friends, and how I've been telling you, here I am, you know, it's only the third broadcast week, uh, yes, I wasn't here last week, so we don't ca- I don't count last week as broadcast week for a live broadcast, but only the third sh- live show of the year, and already I'm doing huge I told you so's here, and here we go, this, this, I was talking about the, the, Interview of university, I should now say former Harvard University President Larry Summers on this, the Weekly Standards Bill Crystal show, or the Weekly, the Bill, the Weekly Standards show hosted by Bill Crystal, whatever, how you want to put it. Well, the full interview there is very much worth watching, my friends. Why? Because Summers very closely articulates views on the subject of modern campus discourse that I have been showing and talking to you about for a very long time, my friends. Summers opines that not all political correctness is bad. Well, I I kind of disagree with him on that. I, I, I can't name a single form of political correctness that isn't bad, but that's, I'm going to uh, agree to disagree with him on that point. Uh, he claims that some of it has a positive effect of supposedly very real social progress. He just can't find any, my friends, and says that, it's a good thing for these things, but he can't name any, at least everything he names I disagree with, but anyway, and that it's no longer acceptable to yell insulting remarks at gays. Okay, that's the one thing he really made a big deal about. I forgot about that, yeah, that uh, he made a really big remark. Well, excuse me, uh, you know, it's free speech, you know, you're able to yell insulting things at people, uh, it's and if you take away people's right to yell insulting things about other people, well, what's next, my friends? Yeah, well, the problem. Getting back to Summers specifically, the problem, as Summers puts it, is that students are increasingly averse to the idea of the university as a place where dissent is not only tolerated, but actively encouraged. And all kinds of beliefs are put to the test, not just because those beliefs are mistaken, but because skepticism and scrutiny are intellectual tools that must be cultivated. Here's what he said, his words, quote, it seems to me that there is a sort of creeping totalitarianism in terms of what kind of ideas are acceptable and debatable on college campi, and what I think that is a hugely unfortunate. Uh, 
I think the answer to bad speech is different speech. The answer to bad speech is not shutting down speech, whether it's climate deniers, and I yield to no one in my degree of confidence that the scientific evidence points to overwhelming evidence that there is a serious global climate change problem. So there we go. He shows his um, he shows his inability to really foster good thought. No wonder he's former Harvard professor, you see, or uh, uh, chancellor. You know, no wonder he is. But I digress. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, he says, I was proud to write a brief as president in support of affirmative action, and I think that's the right position. In other words, he believes in discrimination when it's done the right way, quote-unquote, because that's all affirmative action is, my friends, is discrimination. It's, it's supposedly to right past wrongs. Well, the way you right past wrongs, my friends, is not to allow the past wrongs to occur anymore. You know, that's the way you write them, but doing anything else is discrimination in and of itself. And, but he's proud of that kind of discrimination. But he goes on, and he says, I think uh, it's the right position, and I hope the Supreme Court will uphold it. Well, if the Supreme Court follows the lower courts that are starting to overturn this type of discrimination, they won't. But anyway, I digress. And he says the idea... That, for example, as took place in recent years, a serious suggestion is put forward that the law of rape not be converted at Harvard Law School because it would be a painful experience for some law students is one that seems to me administrators should be denouncing rather than sympathizing with. The idea that somehow microaggressions in the form of a racist statement contained in a novel should be treated in parallel with violence or actual sexual assault seems to me to be crazy, end quote. Well, he finally got around to it in the very last sentence, but I waded through the whole thing, my friends, to show that the guy does engage in a tremendous amount of magical thinking, you know, um, unsupported by reality, uh, but he does eventually get to the point that uh, it's like, wow, you finally did. Good, good for you. Now, if you change the rest of your magical thinking, you wouldn't be an ex-Harvard professor or, or chancellor. So the notion that law professors might stop teaching rape law because the subject is uncomfortable for certain students, well, that on its face sounds preposterous, but it's not all made up. No. Jeannie Suk, one of the Harvard law professors concerned about, quote, the hunting grounds, end quote, misrepresentation of Brandon Winston, has written on the subject. Summers, it should be remembered that... Uh, yeah, yes, it should be remembered, resigned as president of Harvard in 2006 after hyper-offended students and professors ran him off campus for the crime of merely discussing some social science research about innate intelligence among men and women. And that episode seems especially relevant to what's happening on campus today. Yeah, 
Harvard psychologist Steven Pinker defended Summers on free speech grounds in an interview with the Harvard Crimson. It went a little bit like this. The Crimson asked, were President Summers' remarks within the pale of legitimate academic discourse? And Pinker came back and said, good grief. Shouldn't everything be within the pale of legitimate academic discourse as long as it's presented with some degree of rigor? That's the difference between a university and a madrasa. But Crimson said, but wouldn't it be normal to hear a similar set of hypotheses presented and considered at a conference of psychologists? And Pinker said, well, some psychologists are still offended by such hypotheses. But yes, they should certainly be considered at most major conferences in scientific psychology. So Crimson came back and said, finally, did you personally find President Summers' remarks or what you've heard or read of them to be offensive? And Pinker said, look, the truth cannot be offensive. Full stop, my friends. That's where he should have done a full stop. The truth cannot be offensive. But no, he didn't. He went on to say, perhaps the hypothesis is wrong, but how would we ever find out whether it's wrong if it's offensive even to consider it? People who storm out of a meeting at the mention of a hypothesis or declare it taboo or offensive without providing arguments or evidence don't get the concept of a university or free inquiry. Hmm. Well, he did pretty good, but he still just should have stopped right there. Truth cannot be offensive. You know, it seems legitimate, at least to your host, to worry that these kind of people have a great deal of power on the modern university camp I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I reported to you, my friends, on what happened on New Year's Eve in Germany specifically in the little town of Cologne. Well, I have a follow-up, my friends. The imam for the main mosque in Cologne has reported that the girls were raped because they were half-naked and wore perfume. Yeah. Warning women against Adding fuel to the fire, his words, the imam of a southeast Cologne mosque has said that the victims of the New Year's Eve attack in that city were themselves responsible for their sex assault by dressing inappropriately and wearing perfume. Now, of course, my friends, dressing inappropriately means anything less than a full burqa. That is their position. It's inappropriate for a woman to be in anything other than a full burqa, okay, where the only things you can see is their hands and their eyes. That's it. Speaking to a major Russian TV news channel, REN TV, it's amazing how much of this news of the world we're getting from Russian TV, my friends, um, his remarks came during a 12-minute segment bringing Russians up to date with the latest developments in the migrant invasion of Europe and sandwiched between eyewitness footage of migrants raping in Cologne, women being sexually assaulted by apparently Arab gangs, and a segment on a surge of interest in self-defense courses in Germany. 
The imam told the interviewer, quote, we need to react properly and not add fuel to the fire, end quote. Then in explaining the views of Salafist Islam, why hundreds of women found themselves groped, sexually assaulted, and in some cases raped by gangs of migrant men in cities across Germany, the imam said, quote, the events of New Year's Eve were the girls' own fault because they were half-naked and wearing perfume. It is not surprising the men wanted to attack them. Dressing like that is like adding fuel to the fire. End quote. The tone of the report was telling, expressing no surprise that Muslim mass migration would result in violence and gang rape. The narrator of the report told viewers that after the events of New Year's Eve, it was becoming difficult to tell whose country Germany was, one belonging to Muslims or to Germans. Also expressing was the opinion that the sex attacks were no more than a dress rehearsal for something much bigger to come. And the television interview with a former police officer featured in the short also expressed concern about mass migration. The officer remarks that crimes by migrants are not always recorded by the police in Germany. And even when they are, they aren't passed upwards to the government. He tells the interviewer that in his experience, immigrants don't come to Germany for a better life, but they come in groups to engage in organized crime. Sami Abu Youssef, the imam in question, at the Al-Tawid Mosque in Cologne's Kalk neighborhood, just one of thousands of such establishments practicing uh, in converted residential, res retail, and industrial properties serving the booming Muslim property in Europe, and the mosque, which is named as, a, as preaching the fundamentalist, fundamentalist Salafist creed of Islam, was raided by counter-terror offices in 2004. A news report from that time states that officers moved in to break up, quote, a secret network of Arab Mahajideen, uh, end quote, and being built by the worshippers there, and suspicion of terror attacks was being applied planned at the mosque, and officers in full riot dress raided the mosque while the Muslim brothers, quote-unquote, were at prayers seizing papers and processing the identities of those inside the building at the time. And the emergence of Salafism in Europe is a major concern for security services. Why? Because it considers itself the most pure and original form of Islam and tries to obey the commands of the Quran literally. Literally, my friends. Breitbart London has reported at length recently on the extremist activities of Southist Muslims in Germany from mass riots in which hundreds of men armed with kebab skewers, knives, and iron bars clashed with police and Kurds on the streets of Hamburg to their recruiting strategies, preying on newly arrived immigrants, migrants. Yep. So, you see, that's what we're having, my friends. That's what we're having. Now, we have an instant message here, my friends. Let's see what this says here. You know, uh, oh, yes, yes. Ah, very good. Miss D in Oregon writes and says, with all the imported voters, uh, sorry, refugees, how likely do you think it is that a year from now we will be actually viewing an inauguration this week next year? Or do you think we'll be looking at anarchy or martial law? 
as Roosevelt did that during the war? Good question. Very good question. Do I have an answer for it? Well, my only answer is to look at what the heck is happening, my friends, and remember that history does repeat itself. Yeah. (laughs) Now, why, why, my friends, there is so much that is wrong with Islam and, and the Muslim culture that it's very difficult to remember it all at the same time. So when I came across this article, I was, I was like scratching my head going, wow, I've read this before. I don't believe I've talked about it on the show, however. So if I have, I apologize. But for those of you who haven't heard it, well, this is for you. This is the result. Islam is the result of inbreeding. Why? Experts have discovered that nearly 50% of Muslims have one sickening thing in common. What is that? Well, this disturbing studies that have been coming forward recently, and they're all concluding the exact same thing about the world's Muslim population. After extensive scientific research, experts believe that somewhere near 50% of Muslims have in common might contribute to the religious followers' significant heightened aggression, and it's absolutely sickening what that is. And it's because of religious and cultural customs, because of... Of them, my friends, around half the world's Muslim population is confirmed to be offspring of genetic inbreeding, meaning that they are a product of incest in some form or another. In a study of 20 Muslim countries, an average of 49.8% of all marriages were to first cousins. Now, the most disturbing aspect of this statistic is that it doesn't even include the marriages of double first cousins. That is, first cousins who are the offspring of two siblings marrying unrelated siblings of another family. Yeah, that is, yeah, I've got, you know, first cousins that produce a child and, and then other first cousins that produce a child and those 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 children end up being married together. Yeah, that's a double first cousin effect. Pakistan, which boasts roughly 70% of citizens marrying first cousins, was also included, which bumped the number up over a full percent throughout the world. Now, most of us have witnessed shock photos of disorders related to inbreeding, such as macrocephaly, microcephaly, and other physical deformities. But the effects of first cousin marriages go even deeper than outward appearance. This uncomfortable truth may be a contributing factor to the mental instability the world is seeing in their Muslim communities, expressed through violence persecution, and subjugation. Danish psychologist Nikolai Sinels, while he's still alive, is telling us, and I say while he's still alive because if he's coming out with this kind of stuff, I don't expect him to live much longer, believes that after studying the behavior of Muslim inmates 
that there is most definitely a risk of lower intelligence, violent temperament, and cognitive development associated with their inbreeding. Snell explains that the risk of having an IQ lower than 70 goes up 400% in children who are inbred. Quote, because Muslims' religious beliefs prohibit marrying non-Muslims and thus prevents them from adding fresh genetic material to their population, the genetic damage done to their gene pool since their prophet allowed first cousin marriages 1,400 years ago are most likely massive, end quote. According to a study published by Danish professor Anne-Marie Naibu Anderson, in 2009, what a long name, Anne-Marie Naibud Anderson. There, in 2009, this repetitive inbreeding not only increases the risk of mental and behavioral disorders, but also infant mortality. Quote from the study, quote, one study estimated infant mortality at 12.7% for married first double for, for married double first cousins, 7.9 for first cousins, and 9.2 for first cousins once removed with a double second cousin, 6.9% for second cousins, and 5.1% among non-consiguous progenity. That's, that, that would mean outside of this you know, inbreeding situation, my friends. Still, a nearly 3% risk rise in risk of infant mortality regardless of birth defects doesn't seem like much of a leap. However, considering that this is not a one-time intermarriage in most family trees, the statistics continue to climb with generations. In a pair of first cousins marry, their children most likely will be free of defects. After their children marry their first cousins, the genetic gap begins to close. Since the first generation's offspring's first cousin are more closely related and therefore share more similar constructed DNA, and after 1,400 years of intermarrying first cousins, well, the results begin to speak for themselves. Example, the BBC reports that British Pakistanis are 13 times more likely to give birth with two children with genetic disorders than their fellow Britons, although they only produce 3% of Britain's births. They make up nearly one-third of all British children with such birth defects. Birmingham Primary Care Trust reports that one in ten children from first cousins in the UK cities either dies in infancy or develops a serious disability because of their genetics. And of course, many apologists, oh yeah, the apologists, they'll tell you, that while marrying cousins is allowed under Islam, the practice isn't encouraged in any way by the religion. This is a lie. Every action performed by the Islamic prophet, so-called prophet, Muhammad, serves as an example by which Muslims are to live as closely as possible to whom Allah considered the quote-unquote perfect man. And remember, Muhammad himself encouraged the marrying of first cousins when he wedded Zainab bin Jantz, the daughter of his father's sister. 
And even more controversial is that this young woman was the first wife of Muhammad's adopted son, Zayed ibn Harath, who the Prophet slyly disowned in order to snatch up the man's ex-wife for himself. Now we have another instant message. Let's see what we got here. Uh, and you aren't even mentioning in nine-year-old first cousins that their sicko freak pedophile Muhammad did. Well, I just did. Okay, you were just a little faster than me. Sorry. <laughs> however, however, Muhammad's intermarrying didn't end there. The lusty prophet also gave his own daughter, Fatima, in marriage to his first cousin, Ali ibn Abi Tadib, who was appointed the fourth rightly guided caliphate after Muhammad's death. Yeah, we already have a fundamentally violent religion, quote-unquote religion, paired with a required set of equally barbaric and inhumane laws, and it's being implemented and practiced by 1.6 billion people, around half of whom are inbred and therefore prone to mental imbalance. What possibly can go wrong with that, my friends? Really? What possibly can go wrong? That's, that's a rhetorical question, by the way. Okay, put your thinking caps on, because when we come back from the break, I want you to remember what I told you about Professor Melissa Click two weeks ago, my friends, because I have an update for you. So you need to remember what I said about Professor Melissa Click two weeks ago, so that this will start to make sense to you, okay? That way, you're not in the dark and going, huh, what did he say? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then when I'm done doing that, then I got some other good things on um, uh, the Clintons' massive payoffs from Russia for mining rights in Wyoming and the Oregon Hammond Ranch. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting, my friends. So you want to stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $9.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is a proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. <laughs> and welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, who is dr- really trying hard to recover from comments read during the break here. And um, 
Uh, anyway, um, this is still Monday, January 25th, 2016. If you're just tuning in now and you didn't hear, I apologize last week, or uh, I should say the week before last, I didn't warn you that I had some, um, oral surgery scheduled and it's it's really difficult my friends to get a appointment for oral surgery it's even more difficult to get that than one for um regular dental work so when i was offered um a time on a monday uh you know really soon or another day of the week really far in the future while well, i took the closer one because of necessity, my friends. So that's why I wasn't here last week. So I apologize that I forgot to mention that and such. Okay, now, as I warned those of you who followed us from the last half hour to put on your thinking caps about Mizzou Professor Melissa Click and how she faces misdemeanor assault charges. Yeah. That's what she's facing. And you will notice that I'm going to do my very best to pronounce her name properly here. And it's because of some of those comments made to me during the break. Yes, the worst campus censor of 2015 could end up going to jail for 15 days. See, the University of Missouri communications professor that uh, was dubbed by many as the scowling face of campus repression has been slapped with a misdemeanor assault charge, according to Columbia Prosecutor's Office. Authorities decided to charge her with third-degree assault for threatening to sick some quote-unquote muscle on a student journalist attempting to cover the rally at Mizzou in the wake of President Tim Wolf's resignation in November. The charge, a Class C misdemeanor, carries a max sentence of 15 days in jail, the Kansas City Star reports. Meanwhile, as reported on this show two weeks ago, more than 100 Republican state senators have called on Mizzou to fire Click, who previously held an honorary appointment in the journalism department. Now, there, you know, has been some pushback on the notion that Click's serious lapse of judgment should result in her termination, and many have disagreed with this for for various and sundry reasons. And I've not changed my mind about it. I think she should be gone, frankly, although a conviction for assaulting a student does seem like an excellent pretext to go ahead and fire her, and there certainly should be consequences for threatening a student journalist, but social punishment is a powerful one, and Click has faced that. And if the additional step of sending her briefly to jail reasserts the sovereignty of the First Amendment on public university campus, perhaps it will be worth it. On the other hand, however, criminal sanctions for click could actually have a chilling effect on speech, given that law enforcement is often eager to use public safety 
as an excuse to prohibit all kinds of expression. So that's why I'm expressing it to you this way, my friends. Be careful for what you wish for, for it may come back and bite you. Um, Yes, yes, I'm being asked. An anti-journalism woman is in the journalism department? Yes. Professor Click was the, the an assistant professor of journalism at Mizzou, and and she did she did make a public threat. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, but the thing is, the reason I say it is because the way the term public is defined in statutes and codes, my friends. See you and I. We may think when we hear the word the public, we we think of, you know, us, our neighbors, uh, the other person driving down the highway, you know, etc. We think of those as the public. But that's not the way that statutes and codes define the public. Statutes and codes define the public as the government, my friends. So when they say that they're going to uh, uh, use public safety, they're not talking about you and I. They're talking about the safety of the government. That's the public that they are referring to. And that's why I say be careful. Now, also, two weeks ago, I did an in-depth examination on this issue. And it turns out, this is a new issue, my friends, not the last issue. I did, a, I did an examination of that also, but I did an examination of this new issue. And it turns out that there is still one more aspect of it that needs to be covered. And what is it? Headline, Clinton Foundation pockets massive payoffs from Russia for mining rights in Wyoming and the Oregon Hammond Ranch as part of the deal. Oh, this is interesting. It seems that the backstory behind the Malheur Wildlife Refuge and the Hammond Ranch, as well as other ranches and surrounding the refuge surfaces... Rumors have now been confirmed that the ranch lands do indeed contain a wealth of precious metals, minerals, and uranium that is coveted not only by the federal government, but foreign governments as well. Think TTIP, heck, just think TPA, or really double heck, just think NAFTA. Well, for now, just think Hillary and her foundation, for they are deeply implicated in this evil scheme along with the Russian State Nuclear Energy Corporation, Rotsam, Rostotum, and a few questionable Canadians. Now, I really wonder if Raphael Edward Cruz, also known as Ted Cruz, I wonder if he knows about these Canucks. You know, why not, after all? This is all part of the North American Union, and believe me, Raphael Edward Cruz's bill to rid states of the BLM and turn 
and in turn do them a <clears throat> favor of allowing the states who can't afford to financially maintain said lands to sell them to the private sector, well, what Cruz will never tell you is that this is all part of the beauty of the United Nations New World Order Wildlands Act for the 21st century agenda. And those who were doubters or who thought it was just zealous chatter, well, look and see. Behold, the plan of deceit unfolds before your very eyes. Folks, you can shoot the messenger. And here I am, the messenger. You can shoot me. But at the end of the day, how are you going to shoot the real enemy? After they shot you, you see it's too late. It's game over. That's why you don't shoot the messenger, my friends. See, it appears that Rosatom, the state economic energy corporation from Russia, wanted to expand their operations into America, and they needed a way in. So in 2013, a little backstory for those of you who are not familiar. So in 2013, Rosatom acquired a Canadian company called Uranium One as part of a slick side deal involving multiple parties. This deal allowed the Russians to maneuver their way into the continental United States as part of a vast and extensive plan to mine uranium or out of states like Wyoming and Oregon, specifically. The deal was essentially brokered by Hitlery and was run through the Clinton Crime Foundation using Canadian-backed contributions as a cover. And it seems Hitlery learned from B.O. the art of how to use a pen to sign away America to foreigners. Or did B.O. learn it from the Clinton Crime Foundation? You know, that, that's, a, that's a matter of debate. It, but with the bleeding ink, Hitlery sold one-fifth of Americans' uranium resources to the Russians. We have an instant message. Let's point the pointer down there and see. says that they can't afford to maintain the federal lands. Oh, those states that say they can't afford to maintain federal lands are lying. The additional revenue they would get would be more than enough to maintain the empty land. Yes. Well, if they just let people have their land back, hello, you know, for starters, you know, <laughs> uh, anyway, here's how it went down. In April of 2015, the New York Times, of all places, reported how the plan worked. Now, I told you about it back then, so I'm going to remind you of it now. Here are some of the excerpts from the story. Several leaders of the Canadian mining industry who have been major donors to the charitable endeavors of former President Billy Clinton and his family, members of that group built, financed, and eventually sold off to the Russians a company that would become known as Uranium One. Beyond mines in Kakistan that are among the most lucrative in the world, the sale gave the Russians control of one-fifth of all uranium production capacity in the United States. Since uranium is considered a strategic asset with implications for national security, the deal had to be approved by a committee composed of representatives from a number of United States government agencies. Among the agencies that eventually signed off was the State Department, then headed by Mr. Clinton's wife, Hitlery. 
well, they, the New York Times didn't report her name that way. I do, because it's, it's accurate. We have another instant message. Let's see what we got here. Hmm. And the Obamacare website uh, builder failure was a Canadian company also. Yes, 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 yes. It's interesting how these little wheels turn. Yes, right, exactly. Now, where was I? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, oh, yes, right. As the Russians, back to the New York Times, as the Russians gradually assumed control of Uranium One in three separate transactions from 2009 to 2013, Canadian records show a flow of cash made its way to the Clinton Crime Foundation. Uranium One's chairman used his family's foundation to make four donations totaling $2.35 million dollars. Those contributions were not publicly disclosed by the Clintons, despite an agreement Miss Clinton, Hillary, had struck with the B.O. White House to publicly identify all donors. Other people with ties to the company made donations as well. And shortly after the Russians announced their intention to acquire a majority stake in Uranium One, Mr. Clinton received a $500,000 for a Moscow speech for, from a Russian investment bank with links to the Kremlin that was promoting Uranium One stock. At the time, both Rose Adam and the United States government made promises intended to ease concerns about ceding control of the company's assets to the Russians. These promises have been repeatedly broken, the records show. You can read the full New York Times article in the link that I provide for you, my friends. And you see there are still some nasty things and minor details that need to be taken care of to finish the private sector sale. Things like kicking the stinking American ranchers off their land. And since when do presidents past and present, the Secretary of State, or private foundations have the executive privilege to sell off American land mining rights that they do not own. Well, they do not. That's why this is a big deal, my friends. And, you know, I thought, I'd, I thought you would like to know about it, you know. Just thought you'd like to know about it. Now, those of you that are long-term listeners to the show, know how much I love lists. Well, I love lists. What can I say? And here we go. Fact check. Top 10 lies in B.O.'s State of the Union. This is just the top 10, my friends. So if the lie that you like the best doesn't show up, well, it's just because I just was, had to narrow it down somehow to try and get it down to 10, okay? <laughs> so here we go. Resident B.O. promised his final State of the Union address would be short. And Dana Bash of CNN called it low energy. One thing it was not was accurate or honest. So, here are B.O.'s top ten lies in chronological order. Number one, we've done all this while cutting our deficit by almost three quarters. That is pure fiction. 
Beal has doubled the national debt, and it's not because he cut the deficit. Rather, he spent staggering amounts of money in his first months in office, which he assigns dishonestly to the previous fiscal year under George W. Bush. He, quote-unquote, cut, i.e. spent more gradually from that spending, but only under protest after Republicans took the House in 2010. Now, it's also true that Bo's 2015 budget deficit was about 25% of his 2010 deficit, but he refers to deficits plural. Until last year, all of Bo's deficits were worse than all of Bush's deficits except for the last two, which were only as bad because Bo assigned numbers to those to make them look even worse than they were. Number two, Quote, anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction, end quote. With that line, B.O. took a shot at his would-be Democrat successors as well as his Republican critics. But the truth is that despite the slow recovery, the slowest since World War II, Labor force participation is the lowest it's been in decades. Wages are stagnant. Household incomes still have not recovered from the recession. And young people see a bleak future. And Walmart announced just days later, 269 super centers would be closed, among other things happening. Yeah, right. Number three, that's what the Affordable Care Act is all about. It's about filling the gaps in employer-based care so that when we lose a job or go back to school or start a new business, we'll still have coverage, end quote. Well, that is a cruel joke, given that Obamacare canceled insurance coverage for millions of Americans who did not change jobs. It also raised um, deductibles and premiums so high that many insurance companies are leaving the BO exchanges totally. Number four, quote, food stamp recipients did not cause the financial crisis. Recklessness on Wall Street did actually, uh, did, end quote. Actually, food stamp recipients metaphorically speaking, were indirectly responsible, as well as Wall Street sharks. B.O. leaves out the government's role under the Community Reinvestment Act in pushing mortgages on people who could not afford them and in backing the derivatives based on those mortgages that ultimately burst the whole bubble. Number five, we've protected an open Internet, end quote. Bio's policy of <clears throat> net neutrality has turned Internet service providers into public utilities under an ancient regulatory regime, and the result has been a sharp decline in broadband investment and much less free and open system. And in addition, the Bio administration is rushing to shift control of ICANN, that's I-C-A-N-N, to the international community, which will ensure that the Internet is less free and subject to overseas censorship. Number six, quote, seven years ago, we made the single biggest investment in clean energy in our history. Here are the results, end quote. It's purely laughable 
that Beale would claim his failed clean energy program uh, and spending, you know, think Salandra, led to the fracking-fed energy boom that we've enjoyed for the past several years, and especially when the administration did all it could to stop oil and gas development, and he also nixed the Keystone Pipeline and started a plan to kill coal plants, among other things. Number seven, quote, No nation dares to attack us or our allies because they know that's the path to ruin, end quote. Of all the lies in Bio's speech, this was undoubtedly the worst. Coming hours after Iran seized two U.S. Navy boats with 10 sailors, Bio did not even mention those Americans in captivity at any point in his speech, declining the chance to reassure the nation that they would come home safely. This is an omission that will define this address in history. Number eight, quote, as someone who begins every day with an intelligent briefing, I know that this is a dangerous time, end quote. Bio does not attend most of his daily intelligence briefings, preferring instead to read intelligent reports, so he claims, on his iPad, a stark contrast to the attentive approach of his predecessor, Late last year, even as Bio claimed that there was little risk from attack, radical Islamic terrorists carried out brutal attacks in Paris and in San Bernardino. Number nine, quote, We are training, arming, and supporting forces who are steadily reclaiming territory in Iraq and Syria from the Islamic State, end quote. The BO administration's attempt to train and arm Syrian rebels has been a disaster. Belatedly, the administration has helped Kurdish Peshmerga forces, and the Iraqi military has made gains lately, but BO has not made a serious effort to defeat the Islamic State and has even given up on regime change in Syria. And finally, number 10. Quote, Fifty years of isolating Cuba has failed to promote democracy, setting us back in Latin America, end quote. Well, and a year of appeasement has not promoted democracy either. The Castros remain firmly in power, and we are not helping the opposition. And worse, the Cuban regime continues to arrest thousands of political dissidents to cozy up to enemies like Iran and North Korea and to carry out provocative acts such as stealing a U.S. Hellfire missile. Yeah. Towards the end of his speech, Bio did tell one important truth. Quote, There's no doubt a president with the gifts of Lincoln or Roosevelt might have bettered bridge the divide, end quote. An unusual but overdue admission of guilt on his part. And really, seriously, that's what it was.
Okay, because we weren't here last week, and I continued to gather information as if I would be here last week, we've got 24 links of interest. Let's see how many of them I can get through before the music starts playing. Number 24, it would not be the first time Congress has sued the president for usurping constitutional authority. Interesting how every time Congress has, they have won could be the very reason why Speaker Bonehead and worthless McConnell won't do it. And notice how this story is from the gasp Washington Post telling BO to uh, telling Congress to sue BO. Interesting. 23. Bill Cosby email sexual assault charges in Pennsylvania. Well, this is a very important item to think about. And read this, my friends, because if the current DA reneges on an agreement lawfully bound by the previous DA, that opens a whole can of worms on all plea bargains. Mm-hmm. Number two, a Muslim leader from Florida praises terrorists and calls Jews monkeys and pigs. Do I really need to say anything else about that? Really? No, I don't. 21. Finally, we are catching these crooks telling the truth. Common Core Sting captures executives saying that the program is all a scheme just to sell Mm-hmm. Number 20. Oh, uh, okay. I guess I've run out of time. <laughs> I guess you're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? 
Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shuttler, Constitutional Counselor, and we still have 20 links of interest. So let's see how many we can get through really fast here. We have a story here about uh, how Muslims that receive food stamps paid for by American taxpayers, you know, the very people that they want to decapitate, well, they're complaining. They're demanding that the U.S. give them food that is Sharia law friendly. And if they don't, well, uh, well, we already know what they do. Like, they like to decapitate, you know. So, heck, uh, there you go. Number 19. Uh, Reason Magazine reports that what happens when cancer doctors, psychologists, and drug developers can't rely on each other's research? Well, they're reporting on broken science. And, of course, I immediately thought of when talked about all this broken science about the uh, lie of anthropogenic uh, man, that is man-made climate change, <laughs> where it talked about how 80% of research can't be verified, can't be relied upon. Interesting, very interesting. Number 18, Fareed Zakira. You should know this name, my friends. He's the host of CNN's Foreign Affairs. And it seems that Zakira has his own private blog on the Washington Post website, and on it he called for the merciless rape of white females by Islamic minority groups. Well, Snopes claims that this is false. And that is no surprise to your host, as this ass clown has also been the publisher of the book 
the post-American world, which B.O. was photographed recently carrying a copy of it with several bookmarks in it. So, you know, make up your own minds, my friends. Number 17, a high school math teacher charged for victimizing male teens with nude photos and lots of sex. Yes, but she's a girl. Oh, hmm. Number 16, a German small town uh, sent a bus with 31 Syrian refugees on a road trip to Chancellor Angela Merkel's office in protest against her liberal migrant policy. Told her to take care of them. They didn't need them or want them. Number 15, boom, Danish government considers seizing migrants' valuables to pay for their benefits. Hmm. Number 14, an article that exposes facts that doesn't fit the narrative. Headline, in just one year, law-abiding gun owners stopped hundreds of criminals. Number 13, turns out the guy arrested in this story here is the top campaign bundler for Oregon. And as a side note, I enjoy hearing how bundling, quote-unquote, is good when it comes to demon rats, but when Republicans do it, the lefties scream, and Citizen United! Well, which is what caused the concept of bundling in the first place. You know, this is about double standards piled on double standards. The headline, shh, top Obama bundler is a gay rights activist arrested on charge of child rape. Hmm, yeah. Number 12, Sanders promised he would explain. Well, he's not even in office yet, and he's breaking promises. Headline, Bernie says, no, I won't explain how I'll pay for everything for everyone. And he said he would. Hmm. Now he's backing down. Number 11, on Newsmax TV's The Steve Malsberg Show, while discussing her Benghazi investigation full measure, host Cheryl Atkinson said that there is now, quote, overwhelming evidence that rescue teams sent to aid the U.S. consulate in Benghazi on September 11, 2012, had turned back before arriving. Hmm. Number 10. Speaking of the B.O. and his first uh, or his State of the Union address, where he uh, talked about how safe we are while uh, sailors are being held at the time by Iran, did their apology violate the Armed Forces Code of Conduct? Well, read the Code of Conduct yourself, and the answer becomes clear. I have the article questioning whether they did, which also quotes the Code of Conduct in full. Number nine, apparently the term shall not be infringed just wasn't clear enough because Democrats in Georgia have introduced a bill to confiscate quote-unquote assault weapons, which of course we know is a made-up term. Number eight, more proof that Islamists are insane. Remember the story that I did on inbreeding. Illegal aliens said demons in his head made him murder his girlfriend in a Florida forest. 
Yeah. Like I said, remember that story on inbreeding. Number seven, German ministers outline plans to speed up the deportation of foreigners who commit crimes, responding to sexual attacks on women by migrants in Cologne, which have deepened doubts on the country's open-door refugee policy. You know, nothing like closing the barn door after a fire, eh? Right? Number six, Ted Cruz misses audit the Fed vote. See, this is part of the reason why I'm not comfortable with the idea of a Cruz presidency. This shows just how much of a statist he really is. Number five, Homeland Security asking hotel staff to report customers (coughs) for too many condoms. I kid you not. Frequent minibar restock requests and refusal of maid service for several days are listed among signs that you might be a sex trafficker. And therefore, Homeland Security needs to be told about it. Number four, in a recent discussion about genital integrity on a list of 20 stupidest feminist questions answered, it sparked a heated debate over the issue of circumcision and genital integrity, and commenters were angry upset that female genital mutilation was being compared to the practice of male circumcision. Well, of course the comparison was not that the practices are the same. They aren't due to different sexual organs. But the comparison was made that at least in the United States that girls have a right to genital integrity while boys do not. Read the article, my friends. Number three, you see throughout social media and the lane stream media how not all terror attacks are done by Muslims. Well, that's true. But let's look at the majority of terror attacks, which are suicide attacks, and of those... Only 99.6% of them were committed by Muslims. Hmm. Number two, it's almost a truism among psychological researchers that conservatives are simple-minded and dogmatic. Liberals, meanwhile, are supposed to be more complex and open-minded thinkers, but a new paper is calling those conclusions into question. Very interesting. And finally, number one, remember how I told you about this a while ago? What I told you about was how Clinton um, and and her, her ties to planned genocide. Well, here's the article from Against Crony Capitalism's take on it. And of course, it points out that Hitlery, while accepting their money, $20 million worth, calls for further subsidies to be made to plan genocide. You know, I just shake my head, my friends. Critical thinking segment? Well, today's critical thinking segment is combined with the law school segment, so let's get right into it. This is the time we shut off the phones, we turn off the instant messenger, etc. We focus on one subject, and we call it the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L-A-W, for Learn and Win Through Better Education. This week, 20 ridiculous lawsuits filed by idiots and their attorneys. Yeah. 
seems attorneys and their clients can be some of the biggest scumbags on earth. Well, we know this, duh. It doesn't matter whether the attorney works for the prosecution or the defense, since they're all dirty. Only every now and again do they go lower than low. And below, you know, here we go. We're going to find those cases where these individuals have stooped into the pits. And these are 20 absolutely crazy lawsuits that will shock you. And number 20 is incredibly ridiculous. So let's start. Number one, Thomas Delgado. Delgado. A Spanish businessman was driving his Audi, and he hit a 17-year-old boy. The event occurred during the night, and the boy was not wearing a helmet or reflectors. Delgado sued the boy's family for the damages done to his car, and unfortunately, the boy died when he was hit in August of, 20, of 2004. And sad to say, in Haro, Spain, has some of the world's filthiest lawyers, because he sued like I said. Number two, Edward Gamson. He booked a trip to Granada, but he ended up in Grenada. Gamson sued the British Airways for $34,000. It wasn't like this was a huge mistake. The two places have only a one-letter difference in their names, and Edwards, who is from Florida, decided to sue the company in 2014 with the help of a dirty attorney, of course. Number three, Vincencio Roborcher, 15-year-old Roborcher, sued his teacher for waking him during a nap. Yeah, the teacher slammed her palm on the boy's desk, and this resulted with damage to his hearing. The boy and his father, Sol Robarcher, attempted to sue Melissa Nadu with the help of some incredibly stupid attorneys, and the event took place in March of 2008. Number four, Webster Lucas asked for extra napkins at McDonald's, but he was declared that the manager mumbled something racist under his breath. Lucas was unable to attend work for days due to stress. Lucas sued the Pensamino California McDonald's for $1.5 million after the incident, which occurred on January 29, 2014. He should have tried to get a state prosecution team for that crime. Mm-hmm. Number five, Roy Pearson, not related to this Roy, that would be me, a judge, a judge, no less, by the name of Roy Pearson, sued a dry cleaner for giving him, are you ready for this, for giving him the wrong pair of pants. He sued them for $67 million. What pair of pants is worth that much money. The event, which took place in Northeast Washington, occurred in 2007, and thankfully, the defense and custom cleaners won. But even in winning, my friends, they still lost because of how much they had to spend to defend themselves. Number six, Alan Heckard. Yeah, he looks like Michael Jordan. And he has sued the star and Nike. The man states that he has suffered mental stress because he's 
always mistaken for the star. And this particular event took place in 2006, and the man attempted to win $52 million. Wow. You know, it's hard to believe that any attorney would even accept this case, but one did. Number seven, Hayusin Kalkan in a city of Turkey that's called Batman. The mayor, Hussein Kalkin, decided that he's going to sue Warner Brothers during the making of The Dark Knight. Did it take the city that long to realize that Batman existed? Hmm. The mayor met with attorneys and attempted to file a suit in 2008. Just goes to show you that you can sue for anything, my friends. Number eight, Lauren Roseberg. Lauren Roseburg was trying to walk from 96 Daly Street, Park City, Utah, to 1710 Prospector Avenue, Park City, Utah. She was using Google Maps on her BlackBerry as a guide. She comes upon a highway and decides that this is a good idea to walk down it. She gets hit by a car and decides to sue Google Maps. The incident occurred January 19, 2009. Rosenberg likely met with an attorney the next day. Number nine, Carl Kemp, who owns a high-end antique store, sued four homeless people for hanging out in front of his store. He said that they were scaring off customers. Kemp sued them for $1 million. Question, how are they going to pay? You know, this, is, this one took place in New York in 2007. Carl Kemp and Associates, you know, that kind of sounds like a defense attorney's office, doesn't it? Hmm. Number 10, Robert Lee Brock, a prison inmate. He tried to sue himself. The man was arrested for breaking and entering. He said that he violated his own religious beliefs. Of course. And, of course, he didn't have the $5 million that he was requesting and wanted the state to cover the charges. Now, this took place in Virginia in 1995. You know, the guy would have been better off suing the prosecution team, really, seriously. Number 11, Clean Thigh Pan Peters. Clean Thigh Peters tried to sue Universal Studios after attending one of their Halloween events. And an employee scared her after exiting a ride. Oh, what did she think was going to happen? You know, the event took place in 2000, and the woman immediately sought out attorneys, of course. Number 12, Richard Batista sues his cheating wife after she serves him with divorce papers. He either wanted the $1.5 million or the kidney that he provided her with eight years earlier. This Long Island doctor, that's he is a doctor, wanted his kidney back and put together a prosecution team to see that that happened. Number 13, Dolores Tennell. A Meals on Wheel employee, she sues an 81-year-old woman after slipping on ice in her driveway. Well, how is she supposed to clean her driveway if she can't even leave her home to get food? This event took place in Brookfield in 2007, and the insurance company's attorneys sued Ann Kuyper. Number four, 
jackass. Two words, my friends, jackass. A man who changed his name to last name ass, first name Jack, sued the popular MTV show Jackass, one word, for $10 million. He sued for misrepresentation of character. This 44-year-old is from Hot Springs, Montana, and it's hard to believe that Jack couldn't even find an, that he could even find an attorney to attempt this case, but he did. Number 15, Stella Liebeck. Well, that was the woman you may recall from here in Oregon that sued McDonald's because she spilled hot coffee on herself. This coffee caused third-degree burns. She didn't know that coffee was supposed to be hot. And the event, that took place February 22, 1992. She worked extremely hard to find a sufficient defense team, which won her 600 grand. Number 16, Kathleen Robertson, a woman in Austin, Texas, who sued a furniture store because she tripped over a toddler inside the store and broke her ankle. The store was very surprised to learn that they lost the lawsuit because the toddler was the lady's own kid. The event took place in January of 2000, and surprisingly, she did find an attorney to take the case on. Number 17, Bernard Bay, a homeless man, sued his parents because he was homeless. He said that their emotional neglect caused him to be homeless. The man sued his parents in 2013 because his parents didn't love him enough. Guess he was working with the prosecution who showed him with, showered him with plenty of love. Must have, you know. Number 18, Juanita Renee Young. Two young girls, Taylor Ostergaard, and Lindsay Zaliti decided to make cookies and leave them on the doorsteps of their neighbors. Well, one neighbor got so freaked out that someone knocked on her door. It caused her to have an, an, an anxiety attack. Now, this event took place in Colorado, and the trial concluded in 2006. Juanita won $900 thanks to her attorneys. Wow. Number 19, Andy Dogalai. Several handicapped people have sued Disney after they outlawed Segway use in their amusement parks. The thing is that Disney did not outlaw riding wheelchairs, only the Segway. Disney World was sued in 2014 by a group of unidentified mothers by defense attorney Andy Dogalai. Yeah. Now, I find that one really interesting, my friends. Because very recently, I watched a short little video clip on a new type of wheelchair that uses the Segway engine and brains that is now uses the seat to give the impetus to, to run it. So the person who is disabled sits in the seats, belts themselves in, 
and simply leans forward to go faster forward, leans back to break or back up, leans to one side or the other to turn that direction, and it just runs on two wheels, just like a Segway, with some landing gear to come down to hold it steady while the person gets in and out of it. Uh, And would Disney World outlaw that type of wheelchair because it's based on the Segway? Hmm. One can only wonder these things, my friends. And finally, number 20, William Baxter. William Baxter sued his wife after being attacked by her cat. The man was watching the cat while the woman was away. William attempted to sue his wife for $100,000. The man was attacked on April 22, 2011 at his Homer Glen home. Surprisingly, he found an attorney that would help him pursue the case. My friends, when we have a so-called legal system that is so corrupt, that it even allows such things to go on within their courtrooms. Well, that's, and then people wonder why people have such disdain for attorneys. Oh, we have an instant message. Let's see. We got here. Click on this. What do we got here? Maybe we people need to start suing public officials, fiduciaries, for their failure to enforce the trust for our benefit. I mean, they are supposed to be there for our peace, safety, and happiness. Well, are you happy? See? LOL. 